Welcome to Trove Talk, your weekly gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com, and joining me for this inaugural actual episode, and not just me talking to myself for two hours, none other than Alex O'Neill from Irrational Passions. How you doing, Alex? You went for two hours by yourself? Yeah, yeah, I just I just rambled on for two hours to my own <laughs> webcam. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> I'm doing really good. That's great. Uh, so... I don't know if you, since since you didn't know I rambled on for two hours, I don't know if you know the uh, the whole rigmarole of the show. I, uh, I don't yet. I'm okay. sure I will. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the, in, the idea behind it is uh, topic one. It's a four-topic kind of broken out show. Topic one, we'll talk about your gaming history. Uh, topic two, we'll dive into what your favorite game is. Topic three is going to be something completely outside of the gaming sphere because I just want to get to know you, buddy. Mm -hmm. And then topic four is kind of the community questions, news response, uh, random, random grab bag of stuff called the Trove Topics. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, but before we dive into kind of your gaming history, uh, let's tell the people a little bit about you while you while you futz with your your camera there. I was just trying to get like a more central shot now. Uh, I, I, personally, I, I prefer your askew where you're just off to the 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 right. I'll I'll adjust it when I don't have to talk. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm Alex O'Neill. Hi. Uh, hi, hi Trevor. How are you doing? Doing doing good. Uh, I I don't know. Nobody knows. I'm the guy where the people are like nobody knows who that is. No, I'm just kidding. I I do I do internet stuff. I do a podcast called Irrational Passions Podcast. Maybe you've heard of it. I have. It's, yeah, you have. You've been I, on it. Yeah, it's it's been fun. Good times. Yeah. Uh, it's a. Greg 16, Miller's heard of it. Yeah, he has heard of it. Uh, it's a sixteen-hour-long <laughs> podcast. I think there's probably one still going on right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It's a cool show. It's about video games. Uh, and I've been hosting it for over six years now, which is still super weird. Uh, at the time of us recording this. Episode three hundred is five episodes away, and I'm I'm starting to freak out a little bit. I'm like, I should do something for that. <laughs> there's there's no way this is gonna make it to episode three hundred. I I would almost guarantee that now. <laughs> I will crash it and burn probably around like twelve. Twelve, twelve, like one, maybe so, like like I've got I've got like a list of like probably forty people on my phone that I want to invite to do this thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not going to get to half of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I know the feeling. Uh, it's so, like, it's weird now, too, because, like, I get people that will say, like, hey, I'd like to come on IP sometime and be like, I, like, owe, like, 16 people, like, a spot at this point that I just keep forgetting to, to ask them. But, yeah, um, irrationalpassions.com is the home of Irrational Passions podcast. I, I do I do other stuff. I write a lot. Mm -hmm. um, quite a bit, and uh, I mean, I'm on Twitter at Alfighter27. Like, it's at this point, it's become such a weird mess of like. Part of this is about video games. There's also an OC rewatch podcast and something about anime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, uh, Twitter is is the best way to kind of get get a grip on what's happening. Mm -hmm. To see your your split personalities over there. Yeah, pretty much. Just whatever. It's like usually me at three o'clock in the morning talking about how I was just crying watching an anime or something like that. Because uh, you so, never sleep. Because I, I don't know how to sleep. Yeah. I am a high functioning sociopath. 
and outside of that, you're usually doing three or four other people's podcasts a week, like mine. Yeah, I I was going to do another one this week too. Like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> so many things. But that's um, that's why I dubbed you the uh, the master podcaster in my yeah. promotional tweet for uh, for you being on today. I uh, I told Blessing uh, that I do two things in this world: eat Chipotle and podcast, and I'm all out of Chipotle. Nice. <laughs> I am, by the way, because this has been an ongoing thing, uh, I am like two Chipotle away from the the catering uh, (laughs) through this Chipotle uh, rewards thing. So I just got to have Chipotle like two or three more times this month, which is easily going to happen. Yeah. And uh, and then it's going to become, okay, do I... Do I gift the Chipotle catering to you for your extra live stream with everybody who's not me going out to <laughs> going out to Maryland to join you for it, mm-hmm. or do I hold it and and basically use it to entice you to come to PSX? Ooh, bribery! Right, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's tough. To be fair, if you do it for extra life, you will be indirectly supporting charity. <laughs> but I don't care about that. I mean, the I'm truth gonna, comes out. I'm going to support charity anyway. Trevor hates kids. I don't need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. He does. Yeah, that's, there's no truth hidden there. Yeah, no. Why, why, why bury that lead? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, like, I, I, I'm sure I'll like, I'll play a game of Quiplash with you, and that counts as supporting, right? That's that's yeah. how that's gonna work. It's close Great. enough. Yeah, sure. So, cool. Uh, well, uh, thanks for the the kind of the the pitch and plug at the beginning there. But uh, let's take it a step back. How did you get into gaming? What got you into gaming? I know kind of your mom has been uh, there for it, and I know you were just talking to her uh, right before we we hopped on. So, uh, yeah, tell me kind of a bit about. Alex gaming history. Alex gaming history. Topic can, one: Alex's gaming history. Can I derail for one second so I can? I plug guess. In? God damn it! <laughs> I want to plug in one. It's I quit. I'm it's done. on fire. It's done. I want to plug in Ethernet so that way I don't like get disconnected. Mid- oh, okay. And All right. Like, that's have a weird repeat incident. That's fair. No, that's that's great. You okay. can. So for those that don't know, Alex Alex is doing this. The last time I appeared on Irrational Passions. I want to say it was probably episode 291, uh, so about a month ago. Uh, Alex's computer just crashed and burned right in the middle of the episode, and the rest of us had to kind of hold down the fort while uh, while he switched well, to another computer. And while I drank every- a yeah. whole lot. Just, <laughs> yes. I drank so much alcohol. <laughs> there was that happening as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, my gaming history, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all hardwired up. No, no internet woes today. Excellent. Uh, my hard drive just crashes just immediately. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird because I've had like a lot of people reaching out to me like saying like, oh, your mom plays games. Like, that's so weird. But that's so like, that's so like pretty much my bread and butter. Cause I had two older brothers, right? Mm-hmm. And they both play video games. Uh, they still do. Uh, not as much as me, but... Um, you know, so having older brothers to play with was always a thing. Like, my mom and dad were both really into games. One of my earliest memories is like just sitting and watching my dad play the original Legend of Zelda on on NES. Uh, he got really frustrated and quit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like my parents 
started a series of stores, like uh, video rental stores, right? Um, so because of that, they got to go to CES before it was like before E3 spun out of CES. So because they had to like stay up with like VCR versus Betamax, stuff like that, like that was their organization. Um, and like finding out like what video formats to support. So they were like way into it because of that. You know, they got to see the NES before it released and stuff like that, which is super cool. I like hearing them talk about that. Cause I was like in the late eighties. Yeah. And like how, cause you, how old are you? When were you born? That's I was before 93 your time. before I even existed. Oh, God damn it. You're one of those that wasn't even around in the eighties. Yeah. Forget, I always forget how young you people are. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little old solely. So sometimes well, people think I'm older. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm an old soul, but I'm also older. So <laughs> literally and figuratively an old soul. I've, I've been I've been a 65 year old man since I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> I always like I internally I I see myself as like a mid 30s kind of person, uh, just like the way I I think about things. Sometimes I'll I'll, I'll get like super jazzed about something, but yeah. So they um they were into like my dad's such a huge nerd. Um, that also helps. Like he's always into the latest technology, no matter what it is. Um, so like whether it was games or, uh, TVs, like we had a HDTV long before most people did, um, stuff like that. And that helps. And he still is right. He always like calls me and like most of what me and my dad talk about is like tech and, and the latest, like the latest iPhone or whatever. Um, and that's cool. And my mom, like there was a, there was a turning point in my life, Trevor, <laughs> Uh, where I was learning uh, the one turning point where I was trying to learn how to ride a bike. This is, this is the defining Alex O'Neill moment. I think, uh, I think it was like five years old. Uh, and I, we had like in my old, the house I grew up in, we had like this hill that's like, um, kind of like gravel stone hill. Uh, and I sat at the top of the hill on my bike, took the training wheels off. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to ride this damn bike. <laughs> uh, and I, at the top of the hill, immediately fell sideways. and just <laughs> destroyed my knees. Just, just destroyed myself. And I, I took my bike, I threw it in the garage, I went inside, and I po- played Pokemon Blue for like eight hours straight. And that was like, that was the defining Alex. I mean, it was like the moment where I'm like, I'm going to just be an indoor kid because this shit sucks. I um, have a similar turning point. <laughs> I was older, uh, so I was riding a bike and was fine riding a bike. This was fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, I was riding home from my friend's house who lived like half a mile away, and uh, and I would go over there and like I would play uh, XCOM with him because he had it on his computer and I did not. Uh, nice. We would play like he uh, we, he and I traded. I got a copy of Dragon Warrior Four for the original Nintendo and traded my copy of Final Fantasy Two to him. And then he moved away, and I never got my my copy back. But I also never gave him Dragon Warrior back. Anyway, beside the point, I ultimately ended up getting myself another copy of Final Fantasy II because I'm not an idiot. Uh, of course, yeah. The, the uh, but on my way home from his house one day, I was riding my bike and I was crossing a street, and this guy, um, uh, I mean, like I was in that like I was basically in a back alley path to my house, and this guy uh, like pulled out was didn't pay attention didn't think anybody was going to be uh riding back there because nobody ever really did 
And so to not get hit by him, I like swerved around, lost control of the bike, hit the curb, went flying over my handlebars into a cactus because Arizona. And it was one of those, <laughs> it was one, one of those cactuses that has like just a billion little tiny needles that just, as soon as you touch it, they just all stick to you. No. And then I had to walk home because it was like, cause my bike fell into it as well. And so there was no, and so, I had those. I was pulling those things out of me for, I swear, like a week or two afterwards, mm. and I did not ride my bike again for another seven years. And <laughs> basically, did the same thing. Became the indoor kid at that point. Was like, nope, yeah. no more, no more outdoors. It wasn't until I was like in high school and needed to like ride my bike to high school that yeah. I started really riding my bike again. But yeah, so bikes, fuck them. Yeah, fuck bikes. I think is what we learn. Like people are again, people surprised at things in my life. I don't know how to ride a bike. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Who needs them? Yeah. That's, uh, we've got Uber now. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Soon there's going to be like Uber for bikes. Just getting on like some, getting somebody's cradle. I mean, and, if you were riding a bike, you would be walking around that park or going around that park that you go by and snap about like every goddamn morning. Like so quickly. You yeah. Wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to snap. Because yeah. you'd just be focused on not falling oh, that, off your bike. That wouldn't stop me. <laughs> you, and, you and I both know that. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I, uh, they'd be blurrier though. They'd be blurrier snaps. It would be. It would be blurrier. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't be as crisp. Uh, yeah. So, bi- a bicycle defined my entire life. <laughs> my my cool golden black bicycle. And that Pokemon very... Blue was that your choice? <laughs> no, or, I mean. Or did, or did somebody else have red, and so you got stuck with blue? So my brothers had red and blue, but my brother who had blue, he didn't care about it at that point. So, so you could override his save, got it. Yeah. Another telling thing about me, the way I played Pokemon Blue, because I didn't have my own Game Boy, is we had a Super Nintendo with one of those cool Game Boy to Super Nintendo adapter things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the like su- li- the Super Game Boy. The Super Game Boy. So yeah. literally... <laughs> Since when I started playing games to today, I still find whatever equivalent of plugging it into the TV is. Because <laughs> uh, I, I recently played through Persona 4 on the Vita TV. So that's just my preferred way of playing handheld games, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, there was stuff before that uh, a little bit. And after that, there's definitely a lot more. When I was like, like, when I played Pokemon, there's nothing necessarily special about Blue, right? Like, I played that and I just I got into it. Uh, I didn't really like play a lot of it. I think that like that day that I played it was the most I played until I got my own copy of Yellow. Nice thing about being the third brother was you get all the third gen Pokemon games. Yeah. Uh, and so I got Yellow, and uh, that was like yeah, way into that one. See, nice um, thing about being just a spoiled brat like I was, we just <laughs> got all three anyway. Yeah. And I played all three of them, even though I had a sister who you know kind of sort of played one of them yeah yeah i mean i was a spoiled brat for sure too not as much as my one of my older brothers but um but yeah i was definitely spoiled for sure i was the i was the baby i was the youngest of three so i just got everything yeah at some point uh i got i always got what i wanted but yeah i mean like playing games with my mom is definitely like that's still a thing that i do to this day um like uh, a link to the past i played through for the first time with my mom and Final Fantasy VII, I wrote an article about that, um, was like, I was not old enough or patient enough to play like an RPG like Final Fantasy, but after seeing both my brothers get so into seven, 
uh, and like the 3D graphics blowing my mind. Um, I really wanted to try and appreciate it. So my mom became like this buffer, the filter for that game to me because it's super explicit as it turns out. Um, yeah. I mean, made, but for that one, it was like mostly hashtags and dollar signs and symbols. Yeah. yeah. I just presume like going back to it now that Barrett is just saying like the most raunchy racist shit. Oh, of course. Like, uh, I, I have a feeling that's kind of what they were trying to imply, but like it, it definitely opens a newfound appreciation for it um, to this day. Like when I went back and played it earlier this year, it was cool. It's always cool to go back to that game because like that first nostalgic experience I have with it is so it's very different, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of rose tinted glasses on rose tinted glasses with that game because my mom was there like making it make sense for a kid for like a seven-year-old kid yeah um but there was also like i i i'm i was weird growing up um in that i always like to play older games right like when the n64 was big and my brothers were way into that I was like, man, you guys heard of this Super Metroid game? Like, I was just playing Super Nintendo constantly. And, like, so much so that when ours broke, like, the thing I asked for, like, my birthday on, like, 1999 or whatever was a Super Nintendo that my dad ordered for me off eBay so I could play through Mario World and Super Metroid as, like, an older kid that kind of started was starting to get it. Uh, and, like, beating Super Metroid... And then playing Zelda by my like a link to the past by myself with my Super Nintendo uh, was like a huge deal for me in like 1999, 1998 in that time area when my brothers were playing like Ocarina of Time, like which I would get to like about a year later or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, then like that was once I got like to the GameCube and stuff. That was when I was like I need to be on the like exactly what's coming out now and stuff like that. Yeah, it's. Um, I I think I was talking about that in, I don't like I recorded my first pilot episode like two weeks ago, so I don't even remember what all I said in that. But, <laughs> um, but I, I think I touched on or I touched on somewhere recently that like back then it didn't matter if you were playing like what was new and what was hot when it came out because we didn't have the internet. Nobody knew any better. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, it's new to me and that's what's cool. And, it's <clears> great. and there are definitely some times where I'm like, oh, I wish I wish I wasn't always trying to just for the sake of keeping up with the conversation, always having to play what's just coming out now. There are other games I'd love to like back to. And I just don't necessarily find the time for them. Yeah. And like in retrospect, I'm super glad that I did. Right. Cause like the super Nintendo is one of my all time favorite consoles with some of my all time favorite games on it. Like super yeah. Metroid and Link to the past and things like that. So, and it, like, I never really, we had an NES and uh, we had like a Genesis um, again, cause like my parents, uh, with the video store, they kind of got like lower prices for these kinds of things or, or they could get the good deals on them or get them early. Um, so we had those things. Uh, Genesis was a short lived <laughs> console in our house. Yeah, that's for it's sure. Pretty much same in, in ours. Like we had it and it was cool. Mm -hmm. Played Echo the Dolphin. I remember when, uh, yeah. when we got Sega CD, uh, yeah. but yeah, we, we were much more of an Nintendo family. Yeah. And, uh, like uh, NES, I just never really played, you know. I like I'm trying to think like they like I'd played a little bit of the original Zelda, but I didn't really play that until I was older, and I was kind of going back and playing them. But so I, I like I never really played NES games, but Super Nintendo like, and then PS One and N sixty four, 
uh, I got way, way, way into those. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad I, I spent that time kind of enriching myself in a lot of ways uh, because like now where I am now, I'm so glad that I, even though I came out in 93, two years after the Super Nintendo came out, like, <laughs> did you say you came out as in like your release date was, I, was I released, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I was born in 93 after the Super Nintendo, um, but I spent enough time to, to feel, to feel like I really got to know that, that system. Yeah. So. Great. And then, uh, so PS1 N64 era, basically through today, have you just kind of been, uh, kind of playing a little bit of everything or? Yeah, I mean, we we got a GameCube. Uh, that was like the first we got in that generation, and like back then, the the in the household, the the console lines were starting to be drawn. Uh-huh. Like uh, my brothers, you know, they they basically whatever they told me, I believed uh, at that point. And you know, I had my subscription to Nintendo Power, and Brady had his subscription to PlayStation Magazine. And then Derek eventually got his subscription to official Xbox magazine. Uh, and that was that was like a cool thing that developed as time went on. Um, and so like... <laughs> and now now the times have changed. Yeah, now the times have changed. So like we, like we talked so much shit about the Xbox in my house. <laughs> like Derek was like, stupid, why would you ever need it when you have a GameCube? And then like he bought an Xbox. <laughs> And then they were playing. Him and his friends were playing Halo uh, split screen. And then I got to play a little bit of that with him, which was cool. Um, and like, yeah, it was like we got a GameCube on on like day one for Christmas that year, and we got Smash Brothers with it. Man, like that was that's still like best Christmas morning for me. So like we started with the GameCube. Years later, we would get the, get the PlayStation Two, and then and then my brother would get an Xbox, but. I never really played the original Xbox, mm-hmm. but I, after that point, like I bought a Wii with my money. Um, that was the first console I bought, and so on and so forth. Throughout all this, did you ever get into like PC gaming? When did that? Did, did, I know you have. I know yes. you game a little bit now. Uh, mm-hmm. but when, so when did you kind of fall into PC as well? It's it's weird because like um, my oldest brother Derek, he he was always into PC gaming, right? Um, when he was. In high school, he convinced our parents to get him a computer, a desktop computer. And like one day, because uh, all of our rooms were next to each other, it's like one day I just, you know, I was walking around and I, I popped in on him to see like what he was playing. See, he, he was getting into games there. And he showed me Battlefield 1942, oh. uh, Road to Rome. Oh my God. Like, uh, that blew my mind. Here's how horrible, like, so I've been in this studio apartment that I'm like living in and recording in now, I moved in here the, uh, my first semester, uh, in college, like the end of my mm-hmm. first semester. I remember playing that game, like in this, uh, <laughs> in, in this apartment. Yeah. So sometime in the last 10 years and you're talking about it, like it's this precious childhood memory. And I'm like, I hate you I'm definitely <laughs> already in college when that came out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like the first PC game I ever got into. Um, and it was always first-person shooters. I never really played anything else on on PC, um, which is a pity because I feel like if I had gotten into like SimCity or Civ, like I would have a very different trajectory. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I he was like, you know, anytime like I'm not here, you know, I trust you. 
you can play Battlefield 1942 on my computer. Man, like, what a great game. Like, yeah. when I tried to, like, it's weird because talking to someone who is my age now, I was trying to convince them that that was the first Battlefield game. And they, they're like, why would they name the first Battlefield game 1942? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like 10, dude. I, all I know is awesome. Uh, so. <laughs> because they knew they wanted to come out with Battlefield 1 years later. <laughs> they knew. They knew the whole time. But yeah, yeah. that it was that it was I played. The long Con. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Battlefield Long Con. Let me tell you about it. Xbox One, Battlefield One. It all makes sense. <laughs> uh, it, it was that and Counter-Strike. Uh, I, I fucking love Counter-Strike. Like, to this day, and like, I played Go pretty recently and it's like i played so much of it on my brother's computer that like some of the maps like sometimes i'll like ghost and i'll just like ghost ride counter-strike and i'll like know where i'm going on the map and it'll all just come back to me in like that physical moment of playing the game and mm -hmm. that stuff is like super weird to me because i don't remember consciously most of that yeah uh but yeah battle uh, battlefield 1942 and counter-strike a little bit of half-life one and the first PC game I would convince my parents to buy me would be Half-Life 2, which I would then spend years <laughs> trying to get it to work on my computer because PC gaming. Uh, like my first, yeah, my first brush with Steam was like maybe the worst experience ever. But I still like, and it was like right after Steam came out with Half-Life 2, and I still have, that's the same Steam account that I still have, which is weird. Uh, and like years and years later when Steam would come to Mac, uh, like in 2010, I think that was, or 2011. Uh, I would say Half Life Two was the only game I had. I loved <laughs> that game. I was like, "Damn, classics!" I, that was one I came to late because I, like, I, I had pre U, I had like PC gaming and like I played Wolfenstein uh, 3D when it came and like Duke Nukem 3D and mm -hmm. and uh, I did and play I Doom was, at some point. You, you went back and played Doom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that was another one like Doom, Doom 2, Quake. Like I remember playing all those and then I fell out of PC gaming for a long time. Or like when I would game on PC, it was like because I was playing The Sims or Civilization. I was playing those kinds of games, but I would play kind of the the more uh, I don't know, narrative driven or whatever story experiences. I was playing those on console. And then so when I moved here, <clears throat> um, it was I was like, well, like I want to. I want to multitask, so I'm going to play something on my computer, and I'm going to watch TV over and have that going on in the other room. Uh, so I would, so I that was when I booted up a Steam account and put like 300 hours into Skyrim or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's. But I, I definitely like. I missed Counter Strike was never one that um, that I never delved into. Uh, yeah. But like, I I see that community. I'm like, holy shit! There's that's that's a level of scary. Yeah, I, I mean that experience that you're talking about. I definitely had that. Like, I played. I went back to Duke Nukem on the Vita, like because it was a free PlayStation Plus game or something recently, and I was playing through that. And I was like, wow, so much of this comes back, and I haven't touched it in 20 years. Yeah, like it's it's weird too because um, my first kind of like when I think back to playing Counter Strike, I don't like consciously rem know if in the moment I knew it was multiplayer, right? Like okay. I didn't necessarily understand that i was playing with other people i just thought i was playing the game because everything i played up to that point it had been single player unless like my brothers were right there uh with me so i like i don't know a like thinking back i remember like, the first time i got into a multiplayer game was 
Ratchet and Clank up your arsenal for PlayStation 2, uh, which had a multiplayer mode, which was not balanced. And it's not like they could patch that game. Uh, and it was terrible, and I loved it. I loved it so much because uh, I love those Ratchet and Clank games. And like that's when I was you know, my 13-year-old PlayStation headset on there screaming at adults. They were just trying to have fun. So like every, everyone's lived that life, I'm pretty sure. I did not. No. <laughs> I want to believe, Trevor. <laughs> I was too old to be the racist little kid on the headset, like screaming at strangers on the internet. I was, I would say, like, maybe I'm just defending my past self. I was significantly less racist than most people. I mean, I, I can see that, but I I'm, sure you, I'm sure you were still a little dick. So <laughs> oh, I was, I was terrible for sure. Um, and like, you want to know how like tone deaf, uh, like I was as a child, like you could make a party, like a, a group room in uh, Ratchet and Clank and like, I would put like like no adults or something like that, and like it, like in retrospect, looking back through the scope of cynicism, I'm like, man, that probably looked like some straight creeping right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, yeah, I was just a dumb kid playing all my games that I shouldn't have been playing. Nice. And then, so what got you from there to deciding you wanted to do your own thing with irrational passions? What what let's let's go through that journey. Super Smash Brothers Brawl. That's what got me there. I think I I feel like we we might have talked about this story before. It's possible, but um I, I'm also old and forgetful, so <laughs> Yeah, in uh in two thousand seven, which was the first year of high school for me. Uh to fall to two thousand seven <laughs> to uh to uh spring twenty eighteen to two thousand eight, excuse me, Jesus. <laughs> um yeah, so I uh I had second period for me was algebra with one of my best friends at the time, Scott Guthier, who you may know from Irrational Passions podcast. I do, so, in fact, know him from uh, Irrational Passions podcast. Scott and I had been friends since like middle school, but like we hadn't gotten a chance to like sit and like get to know each other. So like we immediately bonded over Super Smash Brothers. Uh, we were both excited for Brawl, and I was like unhealthily excited. Uh, I was so for folks who don't know or don't remember the Super Smash Bros. website, the Smash Bros. Dojo, as it was known. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's a brilliant name. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Smash Bros.com updated every day. Like uh, Sakurai was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some hot updates every weekday uh, until this game comes out. So he, I mean, he didn't lie. He did yeah. update it. Um, and you know, sometimes it was like innocuous stuff, like here's like a breakdown of how this person's moves work or whatever. But sometimes he would actually, there would be really cool updates, um, like Sonic being in the game, for example. Um, and those would go live at 4 p.m. Japan Standard Time, uh, which would translate to about 3 a, 3, 2 or 3 a.m., depending on Daylight Savings, my time. So, of course, I was just like on the GameFAQs forums just sitting there with everyone just waiting for the update to drop. Uh, and it's super weird. Like I never really got into forums except in the context of that game. And then a little bit after, um, and man, that was a lot of fun. Like I'm super nostalgic for that. I mean, that's just Twitter now. That's why I love Twitter so much because yeah. it is just forum for everyone. Yep. Uh, and I love that so much. And so like, I'm glad I could kind of direct that to something that's a bit more focused. 
but yeah, like that was when I got Rick rolled for the first time and that's how, where I discovered chocolate rain and, and things like that. <laughs> Did he follow you for a uh, while there on, on Twitter? Tay Zunday. Tay Zunday. Yeah. He currently follows me. Oh, d- did he, he, cause he followed like a shit ton of people and then he unfollowed a shit ton of people. Like he, he was doing that thing where he just follows you to get the follow back. Oh, so you might want to check and see if he yeah. actually still follows you. I'm going to do it. Is Tay Zunday going to break my heart right now? He, he he might yeah. Is Tay Sunday not a fan of irrational passions? I don't. Uh, yeah, he unfollowed me. That son of a bitch. He's 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 cycling through. He's, he's still following three hundred thousand people, but I can't be one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. This is garbage. Um, it's because we didn't follow him back. Yeah, I mean, Cherry Chocolate Rain was a pretty pretty big turning point for his career. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna be real here, um, yeah. So posting on forums in the context of super smash brothers brawl. And then like, uh, using the, like there's this Apple application called, um, iWeb. It doesn't exist anymore, but, uh, you could use it to create your own web page and then publish it to your mobile me account. This is a super deep cut for folks who don't know. Um, so I got a mobile me account. Back in my day, we called that geo cities. <laughs> Basically it was a geo cities page. Um, and I made like this terrible regurgitation of the Smash Bros. daily update uh, with the fo- the screenshots and all that just plopped down with my opinion written in this garbage grammar terrible nightmare pit. And then I would made the I made this huge Facebook message thread like with all of my closest friends and like my brother. Uh, and I would send it to them every time I would update. Like, hey guys, look what I made! Like, check it out. And everyone was like, "How do I unsubscribe from this group? How do I get out?" And Derek was like, "Listen, Alex, you fucked up. I invited, sent all these people this message." And that was like when my brother was at college, and uh, there's so much tension. Uh, so like, it was just a nightmare. I was such a dumb kid. And then I would come in. I would come in sleep deprived. You wonder where the insomnia started. Uh, come and sleep deprived every morning uh, and like sit down and just talk to Scott about like, oh, you showed this and everything. And I'm like, and this is like before I had an iPhone. It was like iPhones were new. So it's not like I could check smashbros.com anytime. So uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a goddamn nightmare, but like that, that entrepreneurial spirit was like in me. Um, and I actually listened to my first podcast ever, that summer before school started, which was MuggleCast. I listened to, I don't know what numbered episode it was, but the episode where they basically discussed uh, the seventh Harry Potter book. So like when I had finished that, it was the first time I was like, man, I just want to hear people talk about this. I want to know what other people think about this. People that care as much as I do. Um, And like, yeah, that was like my first exposure to the podcast. And then I started listening to show me your news which was a Smash Brothers podcast. Um, it's cool because I've actually talked to uh, the guy that hosted that, uh, the two people that hosted that. Like, they follow me on Twitter now. Yes. It's like it's like surreal moment. I have. I was probably the only person that bought it. They sold hoodies at one point with like an inside joke on it, and I have one of those. And I took a picture and sent it to them. They're like, "What?" So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's super cool. Like, so like that, it was me kind of like starting to put the pieces together in my head, like making a website, terrible website. God, I can't imagine how terrible it was. <laughs> uh, listening to podcasts and like the want, the thirst was real, Trevor. 
um, and eventually, like uh, in my junior year of high school, um, I was hanging out with Scott and Evan, uh, Evan Wall, other founder of Rational Passions. And we were watching at that point, like I had gotten pretty into video game podcasts. I'd been listening to the Bombcast for a couple of years. Um, and like f- through like, it's funny after Smash Bros came out and I stopped listening to show me your news. I was like, man, I just want to like, now I'm like in this now I'm checking IGN every day for some reason. I don't know what's happened. Uh, there was a turning point where I was like the Smash Brothers news and wanting to know that every day extended out to other games. And then from there, it was just everything. I just want to know everything. Uh, and I don't really know like what the turning point was. Um, and then I like searched iTunes for video game podcast. And I started, started listening to that video game podcast. Great show. They're in like their 500th episode or whatever. Uh, that's where the title section of Irrational Passions comes from is mm-hmm. that video game podcast. Um, they do it a little bit differently, but uh, the, the, the general idea of like someone writes down inside jokes throughout the show and then we pick the one that we like the most, record something, put that at the beginning of the show. Um, the password is... A butt print. A butt print. <laughs> My favorite rejected one from when I was on the show. It is really good. Um, and then, like from there, like on one of the the episodes of that video game podcast, they're like, "What video game podcast do you listen to?" It was like Drunken Gamers Radio and the Giant Bombcast. So I started listening to both of those. Uh, and Drunken Gamers Radio, phenomenal show when it was going, no longer exists in that same form. One of the hosts unfortunately died. A couple of years ago, um, and they've like uh, rebranded into Super the Hardest. Um, and then, like from Drunken Gamers Radio, I started listening to Gamers Only Older, which is a podcast on the VG Evo network of podcasts. So I started going to VGEvo.com. A bunch of great people there, um, and obviously the Bombcast from there. Like, and then after like that, I got into Beyond and uh, Game Scoop. And three red lights, rest in peace. Three yeah. red lights, never forget. We gotta go back. Um, and it's like, did you listen to three three red lights? Uh, like I, I went back and listened to some episodes, but not like I. So I didn't have a three sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the original Xbox because I won it at my high school graduation. But then when I was a poor college student, I was like, well, I, more of the games I like are going to be on PlayStation. So I went with the PlayStation three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I missed I missed the whole three red lights thing, um, but I did like start listening to Unlocked well yeah. before I ended up getting coming back into the ecosystem of the Xbox One. Yeah, it's a uh, Brant Ranch. I think it's, it's the only person I know that like can quote three red lights with me. And yeah, it was a it was a like a bad Xbox podcast, but a great podcast. Mm-hmm. Like it was. It were beyond was like more actually about the subject matter it was supposed to be about. Three Red Lights was the exact opposite, <laughs> where they just talked about Lost for some god knows reason. Like who knows? Nice. Um, and yeah, and then you know, spiraled down uh, to PG Evo Podcast Network, and then interactive distractions and listening to those. Those guys still going, still awesome. Uh, PS Nation, uh, which was on that network before they got like super huge. Um, so like I knew them for a while and then like they VG Evo had like a sub forum where it's like, Hey, post your non-network shows and we'll, you'll, this is still a place where you can share that with other people. So I was like, if I ever start a show, this is where I'm going to start posting it. 
then you know game crashers which was was and still is another vg evo podcast like i was watching their 50th episode live stream on ustream.com in 2010 with my two friends scott and evan and then like it was it was like i'd been waiting for the right moment because i knew i wanted to start a podcast since i listened to the first episode of mobilecast that i listened to uh and like it was we were in the chat while they were doing that live show Scott, Evan and I and like the they were at my house and like the it was the right time, right place and I was like we should do this and they were like yeah and like 2 weeks later we recorded the first episode of IP so it was all very much a snowball effect throughout high school so how long in there was uh, was IP like just a site for write for written stuff then before you started doing the podcast, or or was was the did we kind of get a little disjointed there in the in the 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 time the chronology? It's interesting because like originally it was just going to be a podcast, and then like I was listening to Beyond and Greg Miller on there was like you should do this if you want to get this job, and I was like shit I can write. <laughs> uh so then like when i built that site which i also the original ippodcast.net was built in iweb as well uh and i was publishing reviews there and it was terrible god oh it was terrible i don't remember the color scheme it was so bad um and so like there were a few reviews and it was funny because we did reviews on the show oh man People, please, please don't go back and listen to these old episodes of IP because, man, they are rough. Mm -hmm. So, like, we would do reviews as, as a show, and like, I thought of this review scale that was like, it was literally something a seventeen-year-old kid would come up with, and no better. Uh, <laughs> it was like a scale of one to eleven, and then we had an eighty points point system in addition to that. And it was like, oh man, what was I thinking? Uh, so, and then like that, we had like a format for reviews on the show and the original format of the podcast was so different. It was all a nightmare, Trevor. This, this is what it was. It was a terrible nightmare. And there were some reviews on the site, no opinion pieces yet. That would come later. Um, and then when, so September of that year, we brought on our fourth, which was Joseph fate, um, who I love dearly. And Joe was the guy that I, he was the fire that I needed under my ass. Like he was the guy who was like, we should do more. Like we need to do more. Um, and he was the guy who was like, you should just ask these, like you should make an email for the site and ask these guys like, yo, can I get a review of your review copy of your game? Uh, he was the guy that would push me further because he wanted it as much as I did uh, at the time. So, and plus our four person dynamic, like the episode 13 through like 25, some of the best, first wave first year stuff that we ever did because it was the four of us um and i don't know like we we hit a good stride after we hit 10 like i i started getting like pretty pretty proud of what we were doing uh and then like uh our friends david gallant um uh who i a lot of people will probably know at this point because he had that that game um where he made the the call game and he got fired from his job uh, I forget. I can't think of any names ever. But David Gallant, who is also like a big VG Evo guy, was like, hey, you can use my site for a WordPress blog because you guys need a WordPress blog. Um, so 
davidsgallant.com slash IP podcast was a was our URL for our time. Okay. Um, and like at that point, I was starting to figure stuff out. So by February of 2011, that's when I got the Irrational Passions domain, rationalpassions.com, no more .net garbage, um, which I can't believe that that domain wasn't taken. Now that I think about it. But um, rationalpassions.com, then we launched our own WordPress website, and then kind of like sometime in 2013, we got the WordPress theme that we use now. Um, but yeah, it was once we got irrationalpassions.com up and running, that's when uh, like it, it, the website part of it really started to take off. So about eight months out from when we initially started. So very cool. Do you remember like some of your firsts, like the uh, like the first game you reviewed or the first game you got like a, a reviewed code to review? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the first game I reviewed was Blacklight Tango Down. Blacklight Tango Down. Yeah, I be- I How swear was that one? <laughs> it was a terrible game. <laughs> um, but, the- but, did, but did seventeen year old Alex love it? Oh God, the the game should have been called "Use a Shotgun to Win," uh, <laughs> because the shotgun had sniper's precision, uh, and it, it was it was absurd. I remember like playing that game with my friend Ryan, and <laughs> he was like, "I'm gonna try the shotgun out," and then we just we just won. We just kept winning every match. I like Blacklight was cool. I remember so well. Uh, Fifteen dollar Xbox Live game. Came out July seventh, twenty ten. The first, the same as the first week of IP, uh, and it was cool because it was the first game that was kind of like sci-fi shooter. Like you could, uh, you had like a cooldown where you could like see all the enemies that are near you, like through walls and stuff. Uh, kind of like a, a detective vision kind of, uh, and it, it was like on a cooldown. Wait, 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 let's see if I can speak your language, like. Widowmaker's alt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but for a shorter amount of time. Um, yeah, it was a bad game. <laughs> it was it was really fun though. Uh, man, I if that's on Xbox, that's probably not. If it's on Xbox One backwards compatibility, I would totally go and play that right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is going to just as a heads up. I'm pretty sure this is now going to be like the the thumbnail for this segment. <laughs> Blacklight Tango Down. Blacklight Tango Down. Dog, gaming. it was so good. <laughs> Alex O'Neill's gaming memories. My first review code, uh, one that I still hold very near and dear to my heart, was Super Meat Boy. Okay. Um, I, I reached out. It's funny. It's like it was the first time I ever reached out to anyone, and I like uh, Team Meat had like a submit page on their on their website and i wrote like this big long thing i'm like my name is alex meal this is my website davidsgallant.com forward slash ip podcast don't ask questions <laughs> you know this is what we're all about we're an upcoming site blah, blah blah and they responded with just the words go nuts and an xbox live code like an hour later tommy rafines responded and Oh, it was so it was like that was the moment. It was like that, and when I got a little big planet to retail copy from Sony, uh, like that was like the next moment. Like that was that was the, the beginning, of the end, <laughs> um, and it's still the only retail game. Well, I guess that's not true. I've gotten a few MLB games for some reason, <laughs> um, but uh, the 
very rare that we've ever gotten like retail games, but um, yeah, that was just like I was like losing my. I called Joe at like eleven thirty-five at night. I was like, "You won't fucking believe what just happened." <laughs> uh, and yeah, that was that was a super gratifying moment for me. Very cool. What was the first show you did? Was that was that Pax? Uh, Pax East twenty. Not 2011. It couldn't have been 2011. It might have been 2012. I think it was Pax East 2012. Yes, we wanted to go to 20, 2011. That was before we hit a year, though. Hmm. So Pax East 2012. And that uh, was before it had skyrocketed through the moon. So it was pretty. Were you able to get in on media back then? Yes, we. Yeah. That was <laughs> we. We had gone as press. Uh, it was Evan, Joe, Tony, and I. I think then. Um, that one is present. Tony had joined like in February of 2011. So, and yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was awesome. That was definitely like when that weekend had come and gone, that was the best weekend of my life. Um, but like it was bummer cause it was like, uh, I was so excited to meet Greg Miller. Uh, and then like the week before he had announced that he had cancer, and I was like, I went from like the highest high to like the lowest low. I was like, yeah. so like upset and concerned and stuff like that. Um, but then I would meet him for the first time the year later at Paxi's late the next year. So, rational uh, passions. Yep, man. And then history was made. And then and then it just happened. Um, but yeah, Paxi's was was the first one. And then we met last year mm-hmm. and it was delightful time flies doesn't it yeah that's crazy yeah like a year and a half like yeah probably like a year and a half ago now kind of funny live one yeah it's september now so so what got you into and we'll dive into this probably a little bit later but um uh breaking the uh, don't break the chain like i that was what the one of the first things that like jumped out at me i mean outside of us hanging out all weekend um like that your story kind of behind that um, uh, was delightful and got me back, got me back into writing. So tell yeah, me, tell me a little bit about that again. Um, let me see if I can find the exact episode. I don't know if I have it in here, but so January, 2015, um, I was in a, I was in a bad place in that, that year pretty much. That year was a rough one. It got better like after Kind of Funny Live, but especially like the end of 2014 was bad in a lot of ways for me because of things that was happening with my family. Uh, and yeah, it, there was like a turning point where like everything was like falling apart in front of me. Like my lease for my apartment was coming up in a couple of months and uh, things like that. Like just the world and I didn't know if I was going to be able to go to school and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so like it, it was already, it was starting to come back together and the, what I needed was motivation. Like there was, it was right at the right time uh, where I needed like something to drive me because I felt like I was stagnating. And so I was watching game grumps as people who know me, I am ought to do. Uh, and they had uh, talked about on an episode of, Pokemon Fire Red, uh, so whatever one like started in like the the end of January of 2015. I can't think of the episode number exactly, like I said, but um, 
they they talked about it as like this was something that they'd used. Like Danny had used it um, in regards to like writing songs and making music, and Aaron had used it in regards to animation and art of just like the this concept of doing something every day. One uh, to to like get better at it, but two and more importantly, just to do it. Like people will make an excuse not to do something pretty much until the day they die. Um, but the idea so much is easier that, to not do things. Exactly. The idea is that like you are doing something, even if it's just like a little bit a day. Like they, they use the example of like even if you like drew a smiley face and like you drew something that day. Like you did something. Like you can own this. And then like building up the chain and then having like an accountability. Like they talked about the first time they ever broke the chain uh and how hard that felt. Uh and like how horrible that felt and that like you need to break it to know how it feels. Uh, that's also something that they said. And I think they're, they're definitely right. Um, and yeah, it was just like, it hit me at the right time. And like literally that day I was like, I'm going to write something today. Um, and then I, it just, I started and I didn't stop. And like when I did break the chain in March, it's funny. Cause like I, uh, I had written about video games that day, but I had, it was like part of an essay that I was writing for school. And I told myself that if I write something for school, even if it's about games, it doesn't count towards this. Um, just for school specifically. Um, and I like I was so exhausted after a long day. I passed out and I woke up the next morning. I immediately knew. Like it was, the first thing I thought when I woke up was like, "Oh God!" Uh, and I tweeted at it, and like some like two people thought it was a great time to make an ex like joke about how disappointed in me they were. And I immediately blocked them on Twitter. Like that's how like I did not <laughs> fuck around with it. I'm glad I did not know you then. Cause I would have been that smart ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was just like, yeah, but like, I, I like you enough that I probably would have like direct messaged you and said, not cool, bro. <laughs> um, and it was like, it was a thing that it was like, it hurts so much. Uh, and I felt so terrible that I knew I would never do it again. Like, so at, at this point, like where I'm like 661 in or 561, at whatever. I was going to say, whoa, wait, when, did, <laughs> when did you just add a hundred days? <laughs> 561 in. I like, if I broke it at this point, I would just stop. Um, and I'm like, okay with that. I'm mm -hmm. like, I've had like my reconciliation with myself. Uh, but yeah, like it was, they talked about it on Game Grumps. And like it was originally, they they said it was a technique that Jerry Seinfeld had used, and I found the app on the App Store uh, that people might know from my Twitter or my Instagram or whatever, and I just started marking days. So, do you think uh, hitting the milestones that you hit in the in the basically the don't break the chain 2.0 that you're mm -hmm. on, uh, do you think those milestones mean more because you did break the chain, you had broken the chain kind of like that? Because I remember that being. Um, kind of one of the, the touchstones when you first told me about it, because you were back at like day 50 again. Um, and you like you were just nearing the point where you were or you you may have just passed the point where you had like surpassed your previous chain. And yeah, so I remember that being like a big thing for you. And uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm kind of curious on that. Yeah, I mean, like when I think about it now, for sure, because I could have just given up, right? Like I could have broken it and just just stopped. Uh, but I didn't and I kept going and I got to the point that I had gotten to and I'm now I'm like however many hundreds of days after that and yeah like it's it definitely means more now because 
it, like, it, it taught me something about myself of like, when I really do want something, I can always tell. And this is one of those times when I can tell, right? And I think like, indirectly doing the Don't Break the Chain has made me do more stuff. Just like, I'm doing more in all directions now than I was before I even started that. And I think it's like, not even a result of doing this so consistently. It's a result of like, knowing that I can do, I can just do whatever, right? Like I could just start something and I could keep going. And I, I believe in myself at this point. Like there is this kind of passive level of self-confidence that I don't, I'm not maybe consciously aware of, but like I'm doing more now and taking on more now. And I'm making the best stuff that I've ever made in a lot of ways um, because of it. So for sure. Excellent. Great. Um, unless you have anything else you want to, any other memories you want to touch on, I think we can wrap this segment up there. Uh, any one last like pearl of wisdom now that I'm putting all of the pressure on you? No, I mean, I feel like the pearls, close, the pearls of wisdom. strong, Alex. Close, <laughs> close the, pearl, gaming strong. the pearl of wisdom, they'll, they'll come later. I, uh, <laughs> I promise. I, I mean, I like this, the story of, of like yelling irrational passions at Greg Miller. I mean, that's a thing that happened mm-hmm. um, that I, I know some people like to hear. Like, uh, yeah. uh, that was PAX East 2013. Um, IGN had a panel that was titled, So You Want to Be a Games Journalist? Uh, I went to it. It was not a very crowded panel. I was very surprised. Um, and I went it up. It was 2013. It was 2013. We all went crazy for it, like 2015. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That's when it got real. Um, I went up to ask a question. It was Damon Hatfield, Greg Miller, Anthony Gallegos. I think, I think Mitch Dyer was there. Maybe. I feel like those, it might have been pre-Marty. If it was post-Marty, he was there as well. Um, and I met... Damon and Anthony, the year before, they recognized me, which was big for me. Uh, and I said, so I have a site. And I, like, you know, I'm, I'm writing there. I'm hoping to use this as clips to, to get a job in the industry. And Greg asked, what's the name of your site? Uh, and I said, Irrational Passions. And he just loved it. That's, yeah. like, that's literally all it takes, guys. Just have a good name. I, uh, I, I have a similar story when I, because uh, I used the kind of funny like promo code for Trevor Trove, mm-hmm. and I emailed uh, Tim at one point because it was like I was emailing him to let him know that their their code on like that they were blasting in the video didn't match what they were saying the code mm-hmm. was. Yeah. So I was just letting him know that, and I was like, but I used it for my site trevortrove.com, and he was like, that's the best name ever in like Tim fashion with lots of exclamation points, and so I immediately like tweeted that out and was like. Yep, quoting you on that one, Tim. Yep. Uh, it's, and like, it's funny because I was the first person to go up there and do it, right? And everyone up there went up there and said the names of their blogs or their sites. And Greg Miller would yell irrational passions before he would yell all of their websites' <laughs> names. And then, like, at some point, he was like, that's a really good name. And it was like, it was absolutely 100% luck. And maybe like that was the moment like where everything changed, right? The moment the Fire Nation attacked. We've um, got like four of those now. So yeah. Far. The moments where Alex's life changed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a lot for sure. 
Uh, and it was great because Greg had to leave early to go host another panel. Uh, and I like I went and I left and I talked to him. And I had my uh, – Sean Pitts and I call it the Greg Miller moment. Uh, where I just like confess my love for him, like to his face. It was like that was a great moment too because uh, he was like so focused on me because you know he he cares, uh, and I'm like pouring out my love and like halfway through I'm like I gotta stop talking. I'm just I'm just talking. I I need to stop. And somebody walked behind me and said and mouthed the word beyond to him and he broke eye contact just to look at that guy and say beyond like just with his mouth and then he looked back and he's like had to say that keep going i'm listening and i was like <laughs> it was like the most intense moment of my life under underpinned by that that hilarious hilarious moment so yeah just have a good name that's all i gotta say yeah great <laughs> well, uh let's dive into topic two uh, however long we've been going. An hour and right. four minutes. All right. So this is definitely gonna be longer than my two hours I, of me rambling. I feel like I feel like I'm just talking a lot. If you need no, me to stop, just tell me to shut up. No, it's this is what this is what I want this to be. So uh because I love I like I'm I started this mainly for myself, because fuck <laughs> everybody who's actually watching or listening. <laughs> this is for me so I can actually get to know my friends who I've made on the internet in the last mm-hmm. year and a half. Yeah. Uh, instead of just like the little bits of time I get to see them on Twitter or on their podcasts, now they're in my house, and so yeah. we're doing what I want, and I'm getting <laughs> to I'm getting them to tell me about their lives. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, no, it's great. I love it. So let's talk about your favorite game, which uh, we've talked about a little bit in the past, uh, as we both love <laughs> it very much. Yeah. Um, and I know you kind of flip-flopped a little bit or right for from three persona three and persona four but mm. you sit now on persona four yeah after i finished like i just wanted to bring up three because i feel like i can't love persona four in a world where i didn't play persona three um, i can't so screw yeah. your world <laughs> i didn't play persona three persona four is just fine by me yeah it's it's a great it's a real good video game yeah uh yeah i mean like i played persona three at a very particular time in my life um, and I, I, like, I love Persona 4 as much as I do because, like, part of it, part of that love is, like, knowing how much of an improvement it is on an already excellent game, so. And is this Persona 4, the PlayStation 2 version, or the, the golden version on Vita? It's golden, yeah. Golden. I like both. But did like, you play it, like, did you play it on PS2 first? Yeah, okay. yeah I, I, um, I'd gotten to essentially the final boss on ps2 and the thing is like the reason i never finished the ps2 version was just because like i would hit those roadblocks where i would die and lose hours of progress of grinding um which like you don't really have to worry about in the vita version because you can restart from uh uh like a floor as opposed to having to restart a reload a save so um like that's secretly the best the best part about the vita version (laughs) so um, yeah, those games are real good. What do you want to know about them, Trevor? Let's, you tell let, me. Let's let's talk about uh, what what makes them kind of standouts. What makes them your favorites? What? How did we go from Final Fantasy VII? Alex needs his mom to play it with him or play it for him mm-hmm. to Persona Four, one of the longer, more in depth uh, JRPGs of kind of the modern era, mm-hmm. landing on the on that that it's, pedestal for you. 
Yeah, it's weird because like there was definitely a period in my life where I realized or I should have realized that like JRPGs were my favorite genre, right? Um, and it's typically it's like the modern JRPG, not even like the classic JRPG. I love the Chrono Triggers and the Final Fantasies and all that, but typically it's you know it's more modern stuff. But uh, like it was when it was like 2009 to 2010 when I had my GameFly subscription. Uh, repping it, you know what I'm saying? Um, nope, but never did that because I just bought games. Yeah, I I didn't, I could not afford that. That's so. fine. You be a poor child, that's cool, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I probably missed out on a lot of stuff because, yeah, I was buying all my stuff and, and yeah. so I wasn't getting it. Was a good, it was a good opportunity to get like a one thing and just do it, do that thing. Yeah. And then get rid of it when you're done with it. So, like Tales of Asperia, uh, Tales of Symphonia. Um, really, pretty much any Tales game that came out in that generation, <laughs> um, and like uh, there are some other ones, I, I like Valkyria Chronicles and stuff like that uh, that I got into in that kind of time period. Um, that I, man, I just I, I got so into. I like I it was the moment where I realized like I like single player games and I like really really long single player games because like. For, from my perspective, and I know some people hate them, they don't have time. Like when you're so like when you're forty hours into a JRPG, like you're so invested. Anything that happens matters so much to you. Uh, so like when you finish Tales of Vesperia after seventy hours, like it is like a life altering experience. It is climactic in a way that few things are. So Persona Three, which I put hundred and nine hours into on my first playthrough, like. Especially like you know when I was sick with chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, when I played that, I and I couldn't do anything else. Like and I had this, I was exhausted all the time. And you play like this, you know, per, this kid in his junior year of high school. I'm like, I'm a kid in my junior year of high school, um, and stuff like that. Like it was, it, I connected with it on a lot. And like as soon as I finished Persona Three and found out Persona Four existed, I went and bought it off of Amazon, the PS2 copy. Uh, and played through that as far as I could before I burnt out, right? Uh, and then a year later, I would try and play through it, and I would get a little bit further, again, to like just before the final boss, and then I'd burn out again, uh, just because I didn't have as much time as like I originally did when I was playing Persona 3. Mm-hmm. But like definitely like going from 3 to 4, like all the changes they made were like phenomenal. Uh, for example, in Persona 3, you can't control your party members at all. You have the option to in Persona 4. You don't have to, but yeah. you have the option to, whereas you didn't before. Uh, in Persona uh, 3, if like you get hit with like their instant kill spells, if you get hit with one of those and you don't have this item that can protect you, you're dead. Whereas like there are ways around that using social links in Persona 4. Like in Persona 4, you can so like you can build a social link with your male party members. It's not something you can do in Persona 3. Uh, which is super weird, and like clearly they they realize that after the fact. Um, so and like in Persona Three, you, if you have a female social link, you have to romance them. Uh, meaning you can only do one at a time because also in Persona Three, if you were romancing someone else, then another girl would get jealous, and then you'd have to like make up with her, and you could only really do one at a time. Um, so like they refined all of these systems and made the UI faster and made everything better. So, like, part of my love for Persona 4 is, like, this respect for the developer, uh, P-Studios, 
for like how much they clearly care and how much they've grown. Like uh, seeing like the Persona 4 of Catherine and now Catherine to Persona 5. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I know. I don't like, I, I know these guys know what they're doing. And I, it's so obvious how much they care just looking at that three to four jump. Uh, even just look, looking at the original Persona 3 to Persona 3 Fez, which is kind of like the complete epilogue included edition, um, or the golden edition of four even. Um, yeah, it's it's like I love I love those guys. And when I eventually played F- Persona Four Golden on in January 2013, like I didn't stop till I finished it. And that like they'd refined it enough and gotten rid of like the the kind of aged PS2 like dying and having to reload to save stuff enough that like man, just it was. It was like a drug. I could not stop. I couldn't quit. Uh, so I mean, like, it's just it's so good. You've played it, you know. I did, yeah. So I I got into it. Uh, so in my in my episode, my little pilot episode, I talked about Final Fantasy VI was is my favorite game. Yeah. And what I loved about Persona Four Golden because Golden was my introduction to it on on the Vita. Uh, and what I loved about it was the it was. I've been very disappointed with Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy series since at least 12. 10, I liked more when I was originally playing it at the time, but it has not aged well. And, and going back to it, I, there are parts of it I just can't deal with. So the last one I really loved was Final Fantasy IX because um, I love the characters in it. And that's what I haven't liked about pretty much all the Final Fantasy since then is that the character, I can't, just can't relate to any of the characters. They just all are so bland or, or stock characters to me. Whereas mm. this game going into Persona, I was like immediately um, latching on to and enjoying all the characters and how they all related to one another. And, and yeah, it was, it was, I, I often talk about and why I hold out way more hope for Persona 5 than I do for Final Fantasy 15 is because P Studios is doing what, I've wanted Final Fantasy to come back to for years um, and they just haven't. So I am basically at a point where I'm putting all of my faith in, in the Persona series, all that love that I used to have for Final Fantasy into Persona. Um, and that's based off of the one game and then Catherine. But yeah. then the reference that I hear in people talking about like you or Andrew Goldfarb talking about like Persona 3. And uh, and so I, I have that, that faith that you just spoke of, of, they know what they're doing and they have a clear vision for it, which I just don't think Final Fantasy has had in recent years, at least in there. I haven't played the the online versions, the, the RP, online RPGs, but in the, the console ones, I've been just very disappointed. So yeah, Persona 4 was giving me all of the stuff that I'd been missing for a decade of, of my JRPG life. Yeah, and like in a lot of ways, Persona 4, you think back to it, is a game that came in the US in 2008, in Japan in 2007. Like Uh-oh. you think, oh, can you hear? There we go, okay. Can you hear me okay? Good. Um, <laughs> I just want to make sure it all burns down. Well, uh, I just lost you for a second. I was like, oh, did I did I unplug something? Okay, good. Um, but yeah, you think like Persona 4 is like a game, the original Persona 4 came out in the US in 2008. In Japan in 2007, I believe. Uh, it's like, you think about like a character like Kanji, right? Mm-hmm. Who, you yeah. know, uh, like I, I know a lot of people talking like pretty definitive terms about Kanji and like his sexuality and stuff like that. I think like the they left it so like artistically ambiguous 
uh, in a way that's like, is Kanji gay? I don't know. Maybe Kanji's just Kanji, right? Like maybe he's just who he is and like we don't necessarily have to label him one way or the other. And I think mm-hmm. that was that was kind of like the underlying message with that character. And I think that was a lot of like, you don't have to be one thing. You can be yourself. And yeah. that's the only one thing you have to be. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's about him coming to terms with who he is, not about us coming to terms with who he is. Exactly. Uh, and that's how it is with pretty much every character. And like you still don't see characters as well thought out as Kanji and kind of like his internal struggle that is like, maybe the most relatable struggle in that entire game to like, I mean, Naoto as well. Uh, And it's like, man, like you, you don't see that shit in games in 2016 and these Japanese developers and like Japanese developers tend to be a a little bit more old fashioned or or close minded. uh, And like that kind of thing coming out of the, it, it shows like these people like, are really trying to tap into things that happen to real people mm-hmm. as opposed to like, sure. It's like, you know, hypersexualized or, or like super dramatized uh, or dramatized. I don't know words um, and over the top, but like the, the, the core of each issue of like Kanji coming to terms with being okay with liking the things that he likes and like Risei coming to terms with like not really knowing who she is and like the way they make that extravagant and ridiculous and over the top is like amazing and like heartfelt and powerful in a lot of ways. And like you were saying, like it is about those characters and like how they become a family in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it was the Mass Effect 2 before Mass Effect 2 happened. Yeah. Uh, and it's like the super Japanese Mass Effect 2, which is why I like it even more than Mass Effect 2. But like pretty much any of those situations where you're assembling a team is like, that's my favorite shit. It's like, we're, it's essentially a caper movie, and it's about high school kids, and they're, the heist is the TV world, and it's great. And, and so the, the, Persona Five definitely has you hyped for. Oh, like absolutely! It's it's building a heist, basically, right? It's That's- literally <laughs> stealing people's hearts, and it's like, man, y'all got it figured out. Like they knew. They were like, no, wait, what if we went one step further? Um, and it's just like the you, the thing about Persona Three. I like. I think the overall plot of Persona Three a little bit more than the overall plot of like catching the murderer in Persona Four, um, but. Persona 3, like you never are, you never have that same feeling for your party members like you do in Persona 4. And it's, it's kind of intentional um, in a lot of ways. Like there's a, there's a distance that they have to overcome. Uh, and there's like this frustration and this anger in Persona. It's a much darker game. Uh, and like seeing that, like, re, like, this completely different tact, completely different approach in Persona 4 is just like, Man, they like they know what they're doing. Those guys have it figured out. Uh, and like, yeah, it's you know, just like the character work is is unparalleled, even to some Western games. Like, people can talk up Mass Effect and Witcher and stuff like that, but like, I have never been as close to a fictional video game character as I have been to Rise or Yosuke or something like that. So, Rise is Bay. Rise is Bay. Was she always Bay for you? Yeah. I never wavered. No, no eyes on anyone else. No, That's, I mean I like I like Marie a lot, but uh, 
especially like seeing the new stuff in in golden mm-hmm. uh which like a lot of that was new for me uh yeah. and like all of uh Rise was re-recorded for golden as well mm-hmm. um so it was like fresher um but yeah it's man so good <laughs> um let's talk about the music of of persona hell yeah one of my one of my delightful little uh and we don't i mean we don't do it all that much anymore but we had like a little train going every now and then where we would just snapchat music like us yeah all persona, persona music, music. <laughs> persona 5 hype like you me and nabashin and uh and danny juarez and cameron uh abbott like a handful yep. of just people just snap snapchatting a whole bunch of a whole group just listen to persona stuff and yeah. that's that's definitely that was one of the things that certainly jumped out at me as uh when I, in in talking about final fantasy 6 one of my like i love the music of those of that series and uh and so that was another one where like the music in in the more recent final fantasy games has been a little bit forgettable um uh save like one or two themes kind of aside yeah uh, but like persona i can just i like I do, I can and do listen to like Persona soundtracks just because it's great music and, and enjoyable and so much fun and so energized. Yeah, I mean it's and like that's a staple of the the franchise too. Like, th- like one of my favorite parts in four is when you go to Tatsumi Port Island, uh, which is the location from three, and they're playing the Persona three music in four. And oh god, it's just, it's so clever, and it's like it's you know I'm sure we'll talk about musical motifs later uh, with some of the other stuff we got lined up, but that's that shit just plays right to my heartstrings, uh, and like it is, like when you hear Nevermore like from Persona Four, which is the main theme of that game, and you know like if you read the translated lyrics and uh, from Japanese, like that song is the theme of that game, like to an emotional T to a sound T and to like what it's trying to tell you. Um, and like that feeling of like, you know, these people that you have will always be with you uh, and pursuing your true self and being the best you, you can be like the music evokes so many of those feelings that the, that the narrative is trying to capture. Um, and it's also just catchy as hell. Yeah. Like walking around Iniba, like in heartbeat, uh, is playing it's just like oh yes yes and it's it's great that it's music that doesn't wear itself out because somehow that, that can be, <laughs> so somehow when you are playing it for 100 hours uh and and you are hearing the same things or just grinding through dungeons i love that that i never got tired of that like because there I, there will be plenty of games where i will play and i'm just like okay i've heard this song enough i'm gonna throw a podcast on instead but i never did that with with uh golden yeah, it, it is one of the things like where I realize like I've just been listening to the music for forty five minutes, and I could be using this time to listen to a podcast to catch up on the infinite podcasts I'm behind on. Yeah. Um, and I like yeah, it's it's crazy too because the, the the music they added in Golden is indistinguishable from the original soundtrack, and pretty much everything they add in Golden is indistinguishable. It's like going back recently, there's like one glaring like re recorded thing that sticks out to me so bad. Um, and it's like maybe total 30 seconds and it's the only thing just cause like, I know it, uh, was added in later, but like snowflakes, when snowflakes starts playing in January in golden man, like I just want to start crying 
because uh, it, it feels like it's it's like coming to an end, and, and it, that's like the lyrics of the song and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the uh, want to be the whatever the new combat music is. I don't know the name of it, but uh, make history. That's what it is. Um, that's that's also like super great. Um, yeah, man, it's just the it's iconic, it's memorable, and it's catchy, and it's also like thematically appropriate in a lot of weird ways. Did you, uh, so have you played, what of the like extended Persona 4 universe games have you played? I've played all the way through Arena. I've played through the Persona 4 story arc in Arena 2. I've played through Persona Q up until almost the ending. There's a tragic story with that as well. Uh, And I've started Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Uh, but there's a different reset in Persona 4 Dancing All Night. And it yeah. hurts. Like, if she's good and she does a really great job and she still feels like reset in a lot of ways, but it's just, it's hard for me. Because uh, it's, so. it's now your third reset. Yeah. Um, well, it's second. Oh, um, I, oh, was it Laura Bailey that did all that? In the original Persona 4, yeah. Oh, okay. And she just yeah. re recorded stuff? She just re recorded, yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, so in uh, Persona Q, I lost the game card to that. 94 hours in or 86 hours in one of the two on the last dungeon and, and now like i'll never know i'll just die not knowing how that game ends it's really <laughs> great it's a really great game and heartbroken i started persona q um like i don't think i even got like through the first dungeon or something like that it's it was because i'm just not on my not on mobile all that much yeah. um maybe if i end up being in a place where I'm commuting a lot, I'll dive back into it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it was one of those like I would play it on planes, but then I would play it for basically an hour, and that was it. And then I was like, well, now I'm just going to mingle with friends the whole time I'm walking around and, and traveling at shows and stuff. It's um, like Persona Q for me is so awesome because like so uh, kind of spoilers, but one of in for Persona Three, one of the party members in Persona Three dies. Well, multiple of the party members die. Um, so, like, in Ultimax and Persona 4 Arena, those people aren't around, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you get to see kind of, like, post-Persona 4, Persona 4 characters, and then years later, Persona 3 characters, which is great for me, especially, like, it, it definitely gives a great resolution to the Persona 3 characters, who I love. Um, especially Ultimax, which has all of them in it, just not, not just a handful. Um, but Persona Q it takes place mid Persona Four story and mid Persona Three story via some time travel bullshit. So yeah. all the characters, all of them, are there plus two more, um, plus Marie. So it's awesome. Uh, and there's so much. There's so many characters, <laughs> and there are nine Persona Three characters total. And did you? Uh, that's in, in Persona Q. You still, you pick four or three, right? Yeah, you, you pick you which protagonist you are. Okay. Yeah, so I, I was playing through the three side um, because I was more curious. Yeah, I was curious like what the perspective would be for that. Um, and it is very interesting because uh, they're like jumping forward in time and then the Persona 4's characters are like staying still in time. Uh, and like the... It's cool. It's, you know, it's, it's the chibi art style and it's very much a side story. It's like very non-essential. Yeah. Um, but you get to spend more time with those characters. And like I said, those characters are a lot like family to me. So uh, seeing them interact kind of like at the peak of their prime um, 
and there are things discussed about some of the characters that aren't around from Persona 3 that make me wonder what they might do with that in the future. Um, there is an epilogue to Persona 3 that kind of explains what happens to some of those characters, and they leave it very much open-ended uh, in a way that like uh, Persona 4 Arena does kind of pick up some of the pieces there and illustrate things are continuing and that might be resolved someday. And it's, it's very interesting. So nice. And then uh, persona dancing all night. Uh, did you, because it's a different reset, did you just not go through that one or did you play? Through it's, that as well? it's part of that is part like burnout on persona stuff. Um, I really want, cause apparently there's um, an epilogue to persona four dancing all night. There's a very much a nice, like closed bow on persona four and those characters mm-hmm. that, I, that I really want to see. Uh, and the story was fun, you know, again, very much non-essential, but it's got Risa in it. And I'd like to know what she's getting up to, what she's doing. Yeah. She's dancing. Yeah. Um, that was, was interesting. Uh, Cause I, I played through persona Four dancing all night and I found myself with that one, just like not engaged in the story. Mm-hmm. And so I was playing, I was spending a lot of that game, just skipping through cutscenes as quickly as I could. Cause it was, it like, I just didn't feel like it was, it didn't have the, the magic that golden did for me. So I was yeah. just skipping through and eventually I just was like, okay, well, screw this. I can go play all the songs in free play. And so I hopped out and did that for a while and then basically played through every song. And then I went back into the story mode to, to go back through that. But yeah, the story just didn't, didn't catch me. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. uh, it, a burnout or, or what, or I just like, I mean, so much, there are so many new characters thrown into it that like, I just didn't feel connected to and I would I wanted to spend more time with the Inaba crew yeah so. uh yeah I mean like maybe I'll go back to it I'd like to finish that see through that epilogue at least um before five but I uh, like thing called YouTube I'm sure I'm sure you can find it out there it's true I just it's hard for me to do that with persona um yeah. but yeah I am like it, it it seemed inoffensive at the very least so yeah that's fair Great. Anything else you want to kind of touch on in uh, in Persona Land before we dive into uh, our next topic? Uh, it's really great. I it like what's that? You you've written a lot on it. Where where can people go to find your your writings on Persona? It's hard. I mean, like I've written a lot of stuff that I've not published about it. There is one thing that I really like that is on irrationalpassions.com. I wrote a thing about uh, we when I had the original writing crew, we did a week where we all highlighted our favorite video game soundtracks. And I wrote about persona fours uh, and I, you know, linked to some songs in there. I've written about the persona three music on my blog, Alex, Alex L Um, That's worth looking at uh, again, highlighting some of the music, some of the lyrics and stuff like that. There's just, there are some really iconic themes in the persona three soundtrack, especially the ending theme. Oh man. The ending theme. So uh, I don't know, like I I genuinely do believe Persona Four is a good JRPG to start with. Like if you've never really gotten into a long one before, like you know, going with the right expectation. You don't have to play it all at once. The way the game is divided uh, mm-hmm. is like in meant to be played over the period, like a long period of time. Yeah. Um, and it's clever. It's still brilliant. It's still fun. Uh, mechanically, it's one of my favorite JRPGs ever, um, and it, like overall, it is my favorite game ever. So, like, 
you know, get a VDTV for $35, get a copy of Persona 4. It's like typically on sale for like 15 bucks on the PSN or less than that even. And like, give it a try. Like there's no harm and it's awesome. It is an awesome, awesome video game. That it is. All right. I'll find those links of your stuff and I'll throw them in the, uh, in the description below. I can, I can grab them for you. All right. Excellent. Uh, it's it's like you've done this before, Alex. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, topic three. Completely stepping away from the gaming space, although I'm sure we'll we might like kind of travel into it uh, given yeah. the topic. But you wanted to talk about music, right? Is that where we where we've landed on? Or yeah, throw me a curveball. Uh, no, 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 no curveball plan. Okay. <laughs> um, I yeah, I like music a lot. So let's talk about music. That that Ninja Sex Party. That's that's a band, right? That's a, that's a hot. That's a hot band. Um, I, I was thinking. I was walking back to. I couldn't think about it when uh, when we were talking about it earlier this week because I was like, oh, that's that's there's that band that I know you like, and I like went back through tweets and I couldn't find anything. And then just randomly walking like uh, back to my office for from lunch today, I was like, Ninja Sex Party. That's the band that Alex likes, and I don't know why it just popped into my head, but. They did. Uh, yeah, I like. I mean, I love Ninja Sex Party. I love Dan Avedon, uh, also known as Not So Grump from the Game Grumps. Um, and I mean, like their music is great. Like I've seen them live too, and I'm seeing them live again this year. I'm getting greedy. Seeing them to- live twice. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's why it's stuck in my head. Yeah, and I mean, I was convinced by Twitter to, <laughs> to get VIP tickets to see them. Um, and like the, the looking out for your best interest. Yeah, it's it's sure. Um, it's it's good though because like, uh, both the game rooms will be there, so I'll be able to, um, like actually, my hope because there's gonna be a Q Q and A. My hope is that I'll be able to tell them about my don't break the chain thing. But we'll see. Uh, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a long story, so we'll see. Um. But yeah, let's talk about just kind of music on a broader spectrum. Yeah, it's weird because like I used to like not not give a shit about music, <laughs> um, and I you know I always people always get weirded out when I say like rap is my favorite genre of music. Uh, I, a lot of people have not believed me when I've said that too, which is weird. Uh, but definitely in like high school, like rap is what got me back into music, like Kanye West and stuff like that. Um, it's changed over the last like two years really mm-hmm. um, to not be like, I don't listen to as much rap, but that doesn't mean I don't love it as much. Uh, but I didn't like start really listening to music until like 2003. My brother gave me my first two albums, uh, which were the first two gorillas albums. Um, their self-titled album and feel good Inc. Still two of my favorite albums of all time for sure. Um, and like, yeah, that was the first band I ever got into. Followed shortly by Linkin Park. So just all downhill. <laughs> Whom I've seen live in concert three times. So hey, uh, I enjoy some of their stuff. It was yeah. it was good. It was I mean, it was great angry rock for the era. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, maybe like that should have been my first hint. Like Gorillas and then Linkin Park. Like, oh, I probably just secretly like rap a whole lot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure what like uh, Chester. Chester something, right? Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington. Is that the name? Sounds am I, right. Am I remembering that correctly? I feel like he was a, a Phoenix boy. I feel like that was like the Lincoln Park connection I remember having in like... Trained opera singer. Trained fact. opera singer. Yeah. Uh, Mike, who does all the, the hot raps. 
yeah. uh, know nothing about him, but he has his own independent project from what I understand. Um, and, you know, uh, I got into garbage music as a teenager is ought to do. Uh, and I still listen to plenty of garbage music, except for Carly Rae Jepsen, who is a gift. A gift. <laughs> and people who tweeted me talking shit about Carly Rae Jepsen do not understand how serious I am. And they need to check themselves. Um, so are we talking like Barrett Courtney here of, of Biazona Gamers? Is he um, one of those shit talkers? I, I actually don't know. Shit talkers, I, he is, he's a captain at talking <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think he's tweeted anything at me negatively. There have been a lot of good positivity surrounding CRJ and her, her beautiful like concept album that is emotion. But um, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Like, uh, yeah, I, I like it was around like 2012. I think it was like journey. I think it had to be journey. It was a game where I like first started noticing video game soundtracks. Right. Mm-hmm. And then from there, like it was very much a exponential growth of music going from not like could not care less to maybe my second or first favorite and most important thing in my life. Uh, and February 2015, I listened to my favorite album of all time, Run With The Hunted by Sky Hill. Uh, and like that was definitely like the moment where I was like, that was the first moment where I wanted to start making music if I could manage it, which I still figuring that part out. <laughs> but yeah, like music went very quickly. Like I cry listening to music more than like anything. And I cry a lot. Uh, I watch a good anime here and there and just sob my way through the ending. Uh, but I like, there are songs that like, if I listen to run with the haunted from front to back, I will cry hundred percent guaranteed at the end. So, uh, and it's, it's like n- very few things have such an immediate emotional effect on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but music really does bring that out in me. Yeah, so you never, so you didn't play music growing up or anything like that. It, it is very much a, a played the trumpet in middle school. Yeah. Uh, for, Why did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Like my brother Derek played the saxophone for school. Uh, my brother Brady played the uh, the violin for school as like the orchestra part of the orchestra and and whatnot. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. You know, my parents were like, you know, there's no harm trying to get me in the extracurriculars, get me off of the couch and stop playing video games and whatnot. But I played it for a year. You know, it was fine. I I didn't love it. I enjoyed it. Um, and it was, again, it was before music really mattered to me. Yeah. So, like, I remember playing music, but, like, I don't remember if I was good or bad. I must have been serviceable enough. <laughs> uh, you, you started in middle school? Yeah, it was a uh, sixth or seventh grade, I think. That's interesting because like in in my school, it was like you started in fourth grade and there was no like unless you were like trained outside of school, there was no like starting after that. It was you were there from fourth grade and then people just eventually kind of like chipped away. There was like I don't remember because like I played I played the clarinet for a year in fourth grade because I like let us play drums the first year. so, So then I switched to drums after that. Like K to five was a separate school, six to eight was a separate school, and then uh, nine to twelve was a separate school. So like I went to three separate schools. So I guess they they couldn't necessarily be 
beggars can't be choosers in that in that mm. kind of situation because they were you were getting like a new wave or a new group of people from a different area depending on which year yeah so like i just it might have been sixth grade i just like jumped in just because like you know like yeah we're having tryouts can you successfully blow wind through this little brass like knot and i'm like yeah sure i did it and they're like cool you can play the trumpet and i'm like really <laughs> uh yeah, that's all that's- it takes that's that's crazy because yeah i remember like fourth grade <laughs> it was very specifically like okay everybody's gonna learn on the recorder we're all gonna play hot cross buns yeah and and then so like it made the most sense to just go for to the clarinet from there but like other people were would go to like the flute or or the trumpet or the saxophone stuff like that and so yeah it was interesting yeah i uh we i mean i learned the recorder in my music class in elementary school um which was stupid and dumb and terrible um well so there you go fine (laughs) i think you just had a bad teacher and that's why you didn't care about music until a few years ago for sure had terrible teachers terrible (laughs) music teachers man the worst uh but i got through i was in choir chorus chorus in eighth grade i said you know what my eighth grade like the theme of the songs that year i don't High School Musical. Ugh. You wanna, Ugh. There, there's probably a video of me, my solo that I had in chorus singing High School Musical. There might be a video of that somewhere on the internet. Roger Bacorny right. has been trying to find it for years, like for a <laughs> year now, uh, and he still hasn't found it. So, fortunately, when I was in high school, like we were recording everything, but like nobody has put any of that stuff up on YouTube. Yeah, I guess it might have never made it up. So. This was like I was, God, I was in high school like pre YouTube. That's weird to think, um, uh, but yeah, it was like because the the things I would be much more interested to like go back and see on YouTube would be like my drumline performances because we recorded those and I've got those on like DVD back at my parents' house mm. um, and all the cool badass drug references we snuck in because we were really hardcore, you know, <laughs> little jackass fifteen year olds. Yeah, oh, exactly. I'm going to flip my sticks and shoot up some heroin right now because <laughs> I'm so <laughs> awesome. Or let me t- like flip and smoke a bong. <laughs> Man, your drumline was edgy. Yeah. And like <laughs> I like I've never done anything. So I, like I was like whatever. I'm just flipping my sticks around is neat. Yeah. Um yeah, that was so I, I that's that was like the extent of me musically. I I'm kind I kind of like you I've never really been or and and still haven't really hit that threshold where like music is like my thing is a, it like I I'm content just listening to whatever's on the radio. Yeah. I don't really seek out much outside of musicals from my background in theater and like video game music are kind of the, those have been like the tent poles for me for the last decade or so. But outside of that, I'm kind of throwing on whatever's top 40 um, until I get tired of it. And then I'm like, Anytime that song comes on, I'm changing the channel because fuck that song. <laughs> yeah. I like, I I only ever listen to my music in my car and which is pretty much the only place I listen to music at this point. Now I listen to a lot more at home. I didn't used to, but um, I, yeah, I like, it's weird because I listen to, the way I listen to music is probably different and weird than most people because I will get an album and I'll listen to that album maybe 120 times before I move on to like the next thing that I listen to. Uh, so like when I got all three Ninja Sex Party albums, uh, when I got like the they had like a bundle that they sold, um, 
I like that was all I listened to for like eight months. My my roommates hated me because when I would drive around is all we would listen to. Um, and yeah, I'll like, I'll work through an album at a time and I don't like, I don't go to the top charts and like be like, well, this is what's trending. Like I will only listen. If I hear a song that I like, I'll be like, okay, let me hear this whole song. Let me listen to this a couple times. This artist seems interesting. Maybe I'll download one of their albums. Like that's how it was for logic. Uh, the rapper who like I downloaded, uh, I, he has two albums. I've and an EP. I've only ever listened to the second album because I'm still like kind of working through that. And then maybe when I get through that, I'll listen to his first album. Uh, so like, I'm very weird. I I'll sing. I have to sink my teeth into something, uh, and I don't typically move on to something else for a long for a long long time. So as far as consuming music, I'll like do maybe like four albums a year, and that's it. So. And are you like as you're consuming it? Are you consuming every? piece of it are you like learning the lyrics and 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 singing along rapping along whatever typically yeah along to it uh yeah i mean it depends like i i love to sing and i love singing along to my favorite stuff that's definitely like if if i could play an instrument it would be the voice but i would have to learn how to play something with it um uh and yeah it's 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 typically singing and rapping along and and like getting there's still like i'll listen to a song off run with the hunted and I'll hear a harmony in the background that I had never heard before. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like a beautiful moment for me every time. Um, and knowing that I can still have that experience with some of my favorite songs gives me more reason to, to go back and listen to them. Like I got really into an EDM artist named Savant. Uh, and he's just, he's like so multi-layered, multifaceted. Uh, and some of his stuff is amazing. Uh, and he put out a new album this year that's like super great. Fun fact: my dad is really into EDM, so I'll have to ask him and see if he knows Savant. I saw Savant live. It was a, it was a rave in a basement in Washington D.C. And man, were there a whole lot of drugs there. <laughs> I mean, you said rave. I was like drugs. Then you it's said like in a basement. I was like, oh, yep, drugs. It's like I went. I went on a vacation to Myrtle Beach. Uh, with a couple of my friends and I was like reading just back when joystick was a thing rest in peace I was reading joystick article about this guy who had made a PC like shoot 'em up game and updated it with his new album his name was savant uh, and I went and I downloaded the album alchemist incredible incredible like like a <laughs> very emotional religious type experience listening to that album because it's so good uh, and he like yeah he he'd gone through it and like he had updated the game with the music from that album and I it's like a twenty two track two and a half hour long album it's amazing and I listened to it that whole weekend I came back and I showed my roommate and I, my now my roommate's into him even more than I am because again like I only consume one album at a time very 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 slowly so I've listened to three of his albums where my roommates listened to all like eleven of them. Um, but my roommate was like, I will buy us tickets to go to this crazy rave that Savannah is DJing in Washington, D.C., but we are fucking going. So we showed up in tie-dye shirts with glow sticks around our necks. <laughs> I really wanted to get a pacifier for it, but I was, I decided against it ultimately. Um, and yeah, we just went there and danced and went crazy for two and a half hours straight. It was great. So Nice. So why, what, why do you consume music the way you do, you think? But like, why, why do you really only like what, 
what are you dr- trying to drive at when you're listening to something just time and time again? I don't know. Like it's it's weird. It, secrets. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm trying to hear all them them hot musical secrets. Uh, maybe it's because like I'm obsessed with trying to learn how to play music, and by digesting it so slowly, I like I'm getting more out of that that kind of aspect of it. Um, but like you know when when I was into music before I was really into music, I would listen to a song over and over and over and over and over again like a crazy person like a like a, a high functioning sociopath um and i don't like i i would get so much out of it and i would love to sing along with it and there i'll definitely get sick of songs for sure but especially like the album the format of the album i think is so it's so interesting like when I when I get into an album, I'm I'm still listening to that album before I like I have like a jam playlist now that I listen to. It's called the Jam for your reference, Trevor. Um, and uh, I'll add when I'm working through an album, I'll listen to that album over and over and over again. And then when I'm done, I'll still go back to it, but I'll I'll add my favorite songs from that album to my jam playlist and then just listen to that when I'm driving and stuff, but I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's I I've been doing it. I've been trying to get into more and more music now. So I'm going through albums faster than I used to. And I kind of miss it. Like I feel like I don't know. I'm so familiar with an album when I listen to it a thousand times. Uh, like when I listened to run with the hunted, that was all I listened to for two months was just the 10 songs that are on that album uh, over and over and over again. And sure. Everyone that sat in my car hated me and now no one wants to drive with me. But I like it is my favorite album. I love it so much, and I know it so well. Uh, so like, I regret nothing. And I having that kind of intimacy with an album uh, is 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 something special. I think. I appreciate that. Uh, and how uh, since you've you go out and see uh, see people live and and enjoy the the show very live. rarely, yeah, very rarely. Okay, but what's yeah. that? What's that? that difference like what's how how does that kind of change the experience i like i don't know it's because they're not going to play an encore where they're going to play their the same track list 200 times for you alex yeah i mean you kind of know going into it that you're really gonna it's a one and done no i i have that expectation it's it's a different experience i go in with a different expectation and i like a lot of like going to concerts with me is like being able to share that with somebody like i've seen all of my favorite artists live <laughs> Except for Kid Cudi and Kanye West, which hopefully I'll I'll be able to see some at some point. Um, but like Paramore, I saw live, and that was like amazing. It's funny, like my best friend, what my roommate was there, and I didn't know he was there. And at some point during that concert, he handed Haley Williams, the lead singer of Paramore, his scarf, and she wore it for the rest of the concert. And like when I saw that ha- that exchange happen, because I was like in like a normal seat, he was in like the pit in the front. Uh, I was like, that guy looks familiar <laughs> uh, that we talked about like a year later. Um, and like I so said, I saw Paramore, I saw Linkin Park when they were my favorite artists. I've not seen the gorillas live. I guess that's another one. I've seen Savant. I've seen Ninja sex party. Um, you know, I can't necessarily see sky Hill live, which sucks, but, uh, as they are my favorite artists now, but, um, it, it is a different experience. It's like an intimacy thing. Like I feel like in, hearing like Dan Avedon talk about the MAGFest concert from his perspective, 
uh, that I was there. I was in the audience screaming, please love me forever, Dan. Uh, like, and then hearing him t- talk about it on Game Grumps as like a near, like maybe the most humbling and crazy experience of his life uh, is, is so cool. Like there's something there. there. There's like a tangibility in that room. And like I went and saw Ninja Sex Party with my friend Chris who like when I started watching Game Grumps, I talked about it with him enough that he started watching it and now he's equally as obsessed as I am. And uh, after that show, Chris and I met Dan and, and Brian and took pictures with them. And it was like the fucking craziest one of the craziest nights of my life uh, and just like getting to tell Dan like how much like everything he's done means to me, you know, as much as like it is a Greg Miller moment, it is like, it's important for me to say that to someone that I really respect. Uh, and it's important to say it too. Cause then you can say that you said it. Yeah. Uh, I like, I always encourage people out there to, even if you look like a doofus at the time, like you're not going to regret it. I promise you. Unless um, you do have that word vomit stuff where you just can't shut yourself up. You're gonna, oh, yeah. You might, you might regret that part, but ultimately you'll be glad you did the thing. Yeah, I've gotten better at it for sure. Yeah. Um, and now like uh, in October, Chris, Tony, and I are going to see Starbomb and Ninja Sex Party Live and TWRP, of course. And we got the VIP tickets and it's going to be great. So like being able to share that with them is going to be great. Like sharing it with them in general is great. Seeing Savant with Ethan was great. Um, like it's something I can share with somebody else. It's intimate. It's, you know, it's a different thing. I don't do it often. Like I, I don't really like ever leaving my house, as you know, <laughs> um, and especially like I hate people. So why would I ever go to like a concert <laughs> with yeah, them? That's... But like being able to see these people that in some indirect or direct way have meant a lot to me is, has been a cool thing I've done over the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's awesome. I I've I think I've done three concerts in my in my lifetime. Uh, I did Weird Al Yankovic at a, nice. a state fair when I was like eight or nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the first first concert I ever like bought my own ticket to was Childish Gambino. Oh, nice. nice. Um, he was doing a small show in town, and I like I loved him from Community first and then i i found him i found his music through that and was like i loved him through uh have you ever watched air comedy um i've since seen it yes yeah um but yeah community was how i got introduced to to donald glover and then um uh i for years and years and years like bare naked ladies was probably my like my favorite band and Mm -hmm. but i just never like because i wasn't a concert person i just never bothered to to see them or anything and then they came through town uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, one of my best friends at the time, who was also a Bare Naked Ladies fan, uh, we were like, "Hey, you want to go see the show?" And so we went and like, actually, I think I originally bought the tickets to take a girl, and then the girl uh, that like dumped me before the show ended up coming up. So I was like, "Well, hey, friend who also likes Bare Naked Ladies, let's go to see the show." <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we went and saw it, and like it, it was very much like that like getting to experience it with another person was really cool. But like weirdly the, like one of my favorite memories from that night is that that was the night that Ben Affleck was announced as the new Batman. And so like both of us saw that on our phones at the same time, we were like freaking out about it and being nice, being super nerdy about it. Like while we were in line to grab a drink, like between the, uh, um, uh, like the opening act and bare naked ladies. So yeah, that's like, I, but yeah, I'm very much, I played music but I never, like, I haven't 
dissected music, I think, in the way that you have outside of like musicals and, and going into like musical scores and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's like a, a very recent thing for me too. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know, music is is very much different than than other things. Uh, and I like it started with video game soundtrack. It started with Journey, like I said, of like that game is not that game without its music, in my opinion. Like I in my review, I called it the Fantasia of video games. Right? It is as much a visual thing as it is an auditory thing. Yeah. Uh, and replaying again this past year, like I double down on that for sure. Like it's like a, that game is directly and indirectly a religious experience, uh, and it is. Like you can't play that game without noticing its music. I feel like, uh, and when I did, and like it was the first time, I was like, "Man, this soundtrack is incredible." And like since then, I've just been noticing game soundtracks and just noticing soundtracks in general. And then that naturally extended out to like hearing music in a way that I've not heard it before. So would you like, I mean, just had, had video game themes and stuff not really resonated prior to that or or it was like you wouldn't you like you knew the mario theme or, or the broad strokes Zelda. right yeah like you, you knew like the the greatest hits the like the the train theme from the beginning of final fantasy 7 yeah. right like the the zelda overworld theme the mario bros theme mm-hmm. um but like now like you know when i went back and played mario 3 recently i was like man fucking this is the jam right here uh and mario world on top of that it's just oh it, it's 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 great going back to old games now too, because like I hear that now, like mm-hmm. Super Metroid when I replayed that like last year, it was like oh, fuck, like this man, this Norfair theme is so lit right now, um, and and stuff like Metroid Prime and stuff like that. That it just it all resonates in a new way. Uh, that's why maybe that's why I like replaying games because I always find something new. But uh, it's also you know I'm just getting so much more out of everything now because I'm hearing it. And a lot yeah. more so that just reminded me i have now seen a four show because i saw distant worlds uh when they were just here in phoenix with see yeah our friend danny Juarez drove in from uh from las vegas to to see it i gotta see that kingdom hearts thing yeah i gotta make it out to that i just like it's the same thing with the zelda symphony that i haven't seen yet i just know i'm gonna i'm gonna be wet works the whole time yeah like oh, I, I was i was hiding my tears from danny yeah dude like of course i always hide it from danny he yeah. feeds on that um, but like, man, punch him basically. Was, <laughs> as soon as he gets closed with like a little tear just... jar. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I Zelda especially. Like, I, I there was a time where I could have gone to see it with my mom in Florida, but we had to cancel last minute. But dude, like, I would especially if I saw it with my mom, like, I'd be sobbing mm-hmm. like the whole time. Because uh, so many of those themes have so many different specific me- memories for me. Um, <laughs> I just had a flashback. I, I'm gonna uh, Zelda's coming through here in, in a couple months uh, through Phoenix, and uh, but I just had a, a, a memory from a show I did in college, um, where it was like it was like a fantastical thing, and we had a song in in that, or we had a, a scene that took place in a forest, and our sound designer used the Kokiri Woods like theme, like in that. And I was like, "Like, you're playing Zelda?" And he was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Like, isn't it a little too noticeable of a?" And he was like, "Nobody knows it." I was like, "I knew it. I knew it like immediately, as soon, yeah, yeah. like from the first two notes." I was like, "Zelda," <laughs> um, but it went like it was a very kids' show, so it it ended up 
like everybody knew it um even though he he thought it was he thought he was like sneaking it in there yeah but everybody also loved it so it was yeah a, but yeah it was it was just a a weird random like moment where my theater and gaming worlds had had collided that I yeah that's had, awesome too flashback onto <laughs> i one time in uh uh talent show in my high school uh a bunch of the band geeks got together and played gerudo valley on like the actual instruments that it was originally played on or like the orchestrated version was played on it was incredible nice. it was nice. incredible there so. was a my so like in high school in in band and orchestra uh like my junior senior year something like that they did um they implemented this thing where like you could become like a tiered performer and so like tier one you like you perform the scales and you you upgrade to like level two and to reach the top tier you had to do like a solo piece at one of the shows and i just didn't have the like the gumption to really do it at the time but the idea that i had in my head would have been like a video game medley on xylophone and then it pisses me off so much because if i had done that and had it like recorded and stuff you'd be tim uh, gettys i i would be the tim gettys yeah or i would i would have been because uh, like i i played it all the time just like dicking around on on stuff backstage where i would play like i would do a, a sequence that was basically like super mario into zelda into tetris and then i would like speed tetris up and then i'd go into like the star theme in uh in super mario and then i would do like underworld stuff or underwater stuff and underworld stuff and so yeah it was just like i would just randomly dumbly go through and just like have fun doing that and i never thought to or i, I didn't have the like the self-confidence to say that oh everybody's gonna like this if i do it up on yeah. stage so it was it was one of those things like i was the the next to the top tier but i just never had the the drive to do that but if i had it was one of those things i'm like i would have been like i would have had like a million hit youtube video from from doing that <laughs> yeah uh, no to be fair like people would have liked it today but everyone was so mean oh, that's then, true. So. yeah but but it, i would have posted it like when youtube was just starting yeah, um true. so by now it would be like a 10 million view hit and yeah. And I wouldn't have to pay attention to comments anymore because I'd still be <laughs> Yeah, breaking that ad money. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I love, I love kind of getting to know a little bit more about that side of you, the the music passion side. And I, yeah. I to like talking about that with you uh, moving forward and hearing, and we we do that a little bit, and, and we'll touch on it uh, here later with uh, with one of my questions for you. Mm -hmm. um, because I got you into Hamilton, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's it's a thing I don't get to talk about enough, too. Yeah, I'm I'm glad it like it has awoken something in you. Yeah, I mean it is very like I've never been super into music, but like I absolutely get those emotional drives, and I can listen to a song like something from Final Fantasy, and uh, like I was listening to the there's a character medley from final fantasy 6 on the distant worlds 3 soundtrack and it starts out with tara's theme and i just get like super emotional and nostalgic from that and then it goes into kefka and he's like super mis mischievous and stuff and then it goes into celeste's theme which is like my favorite piece of video game music um the piece from like the opera in that show or yeah. that, in that game and then it f it finishes with Locke's theme and the returner music and da 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 and every time like I can't hear that and not smile. So yeah. it's it's like I love kind of the whirlwind and that was one of the songs they played live at the show and I was just like 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, awesome. but like, I mean, yeah, I can I can listen to Aerith's theme, and that'll bring tears to my eyes. And and uh, and and the bombing mission was another one they played, and it was just like, yes, this is like not only is this great music, but there's also the history I have it's with context. that music. Yeah. And, and, and stuff that's, that's, yeah, putting it all together. So that's, yeah. that's why like video games are just kind of the, like my, my most probably consistent musical touchstone. Um, but I was also really weirdly into like acapella music for like a handful of years there. I would just like back when Kazaa was a thing, I would download every acapella song I could find on Kazaa. <laughs> acapella is so, really good though. Yeah, no, I, and that was like because I, I was in I was in choir in in, in high school uh, in men's choir and stuff and um, like one of my favorite performances, me and a bunch of my friends got together and we did um, Billy Joel's for the longest time as an octet. So we had like two two guys basically singing each part and one of us would hop out for like little solos throughout, and it was just so much fun to do together. Um, we got to do it at like concerts and we got to do it at like our town our the school talent show and stuff so yeah like i i definitely have like very fond memories specifically with acapella because i did choir for for so many years um but yeah that's like i yeah i've just never i've never been like the kind of person that goes out and seeks out bands other other than that yeah i mean i still am not you know it's very rare for me to start listening to someone new right and I'm always skeptical, right? Because I, I spend so much time with the artists that I listen to now. Like getting to know someone new is sounds like so much work. <laughs> uh, and like, you know, I listen to Sky Hill and then the Northern Hughes and stuff like that because Dan Avedon was the lead singer of those. Um, and obviously his music has affected me in a lot, a lot of different ways. So Very cool. All right. Wrapping up music. Uh, yeah, like... I. I like. I hope you get an outlet where you can talk about that more because yeah. I like your passion discussing it. Uh, I'm so like I'm so hesitant to write about it because I feel like I'm I don't know enough about musical theory to speak about it. But like hopefully that'll change soon. As you you know, I'm I'm working on on something that is music related. So yeah. So diving in topic four. Now that you're all uh, peed out. Yep. Um. Let's see where did. Where did my questions go? Uh, topic four, uh, Trove Topics. If you want to be part of the show, uh, tweet at me or at Trove Talk with, uh, with the hashtag Trove Topic or Trove Topics or whatever. I'll find them and throw them in, our, in my document throughout the week. Uh, so we got a few questions from, the, uh, from my friends in, in the Twitter-verse. And then uh, I've got a few that I just kind of want to pick your brain on, Alex, because they're, they're things that I want, I'm curious to discuss with you and we haven't really delved into them in the past all that much. So uh, first question comes up from Brandon Gann uh, at GamesGann. Great. Shout out, uh, to, shout out to Brandon Gann. Shout out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, great guy. Great supporter of, uh, of, I think, both of us. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, hug the shit out of that guy at Kind of Funny Live 3. Absolutely. We got to get in there. Uh, he is terrified the of it because, he is, uh, yeah. uh, yep. but it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, so he asks, in your wildest dreams, who who would you like to talk to in the gaming industry for an hour? Uh, who do you got, Alex, for this? I you know I, I hate like there are plenty of people right the stereotypical an- answers. You don't, you don't have to say like the most. It's just who would you talk to for an hour? Yeah, I th- there are plenty of people. Um. So the one that because I saw the question earlier, the one that I was thinking of uh, was Neil Druckmann. 
would be a great okay. one because I'd, I'd have so many specific questions for him uh, that I, I would definitely get a lot of that in what's Talbot magic <laughs> <laughs> is he magic I don't know <laughs> um, no all about the last of us uh, but uh, to, the, to like an extension that Amy Hennig would be great to, to have a conversation with mm-hmm. um but I'm, I'm trying to like there i i had like another example off the top of my head do you have one yeah i think uh i, I think and in part knowing we were gonna be talking about music um i think nobu Omatsu, um because like final fantasy music has been kind of my like my my big touchstone like he has so many resonant themes that i would love to just pick his brain and and kind of see what um you know like where that came from where where so much of that came from, how he how he likes to work and and uh, yeah, just kind of chat with him for an hour because it's like there are so many people where I think an hour is not enough, and I'm sure an hour is not enough with him. But because I'm more passively interested in music, I think yeah. an hour with him would give me kind of the the crux of what I would be looking for. As whereas somebody like a Neil Druckmann or an Amy Heading, I would just have too much to try and glean out of that hour. They're also like, I'd love to have a conversation with someone like Brad Muir, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who I, I've talked to, I've met him, wonderful human being, like such a rich well of positivity as well. You know, he works at Valve, I feel like, you know, but he's also like kind of a ground level kind of dude. Like, you know, he gets into the numbers and folks like him, I would just love to like, you know, what's it like? Tell me, tell me your story. Um, not just as like a valve, but also like from Double Fine and like from directing a game at, at Double Fine and like also being a programmer and and being in the weeds and stuff like that. Like Brian Muir specifically jumps out to me because I feel like he is so easy to talk to. Uh, and I just adore that man. Uh, yeah, other, I think other people I've I've kind of thought about would be like, would be the you know, the, the business directors at, uh, at a studio and try and like, cause I'm such a sucker and a nerd for like the business side of things and how, you know, how things sell. And, and I'd love yeah, to me too. people's brains about, um, you know, how, how something performed compared to projections. And so, but I don't like, I don't, I don't have too many people that I can think of off the top of my head that I could like point to and be like that's the business guy i want to talk to like peter moore would be probably like one of the the most um uh easy to draw from examples uh, yeah both adam boys would be a good one too yeah adam boys would be another good one um uh yeah just diving in and just crunching numbers with them and saying like <laughs> like peter moore being at ea like what are your what are your projections for call of duty and how's that gonna perform and mm-hmm. and like how insane is that that like yeah. that, sh- that game continues to sell every year and uh, and like fifa and uh, um, yeah those like those kinds of super nerdy things that i don't think most other people in in maybe our places uh in in the industry like like shigeru miyamoto would be like one of the most common answers for that i'm like yeah that's it, like I've I've read enough of his interviews that he's had with those people that I don't think I need to have that conversation. Yeah, Kojima as well to that. Like yeah. I feel like because um, Dan Reichert from Giant Bomb interviewed Kojima and like asked him about movies and he didn't like want to talk about it. And that's like the stuff that I wanted to talk about it. Like I feel like I couldn't have 
the conversation that I wanted to have with Kojima unless I was like Greg Miller or Jeff Keighley or something like that. Like where like the kind of barriers are down. Yeah. He's, he's willing to talk. Um, but th- that'd definitely be an interesting conversation. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next, we've got Dave Martinson at Martin Swagger, another supporter. Um, what upcoming title do you have zero expectations for, but could see yourself enjoying? I, uh, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Okay. Uh, when I was like, man, Mind reader. yeah, he knew, uh, sent all me those like reply chug Snapchats where he wants me to <laughs> reply with chugging. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I like, I was thinking like, man, like come December 20th, I could probably get like way into dead rising four. Okay. Like, like I, Play the first Dead Rising, and it's weird because as a huge fan of Majora's Mask, that game spoke to me in a very intimate way. Um, but like, I just am kind of down to clown with a super Christmas Christmas game. And when Christmas comes, and I'm in the holiday spirit, because man, like uh, I had a terrible Christmas last year, so like I need I need like a doubly good Christmas this year to make up for it. Okay, and maybe like a Christmassy Christmas game can can do that. There we go. I'm, I mean, I'm going to go with, like, I've got them ordered, and I have zero hype for them. I'm just going to play them, basically, to to be able to talk about them and do what, what we tend to do. And that's, like, Battlefield 1, Call of Duty. Like, I, have not play, I haven't played a Battlefield game since 1942 that we talked about earlier, and, uh, and I've never played any of the Call of Duty games. Um, but I'm like, this is the year I'm going to go ahead and, and give them a shot and try them out and... and I don't have any expectations for them, but I didn't have any expectations for Doom earlier this year and got super into that game. So yeah, that game's awesome. Um, so maybe like a fast-paced action shooter is is just what I like. What I will need mm-hmm. uh, during that time. And after, and after the there, great disappointment of Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, that's absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, it's 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 kind of thing. Like I'm not gonna like Overwatch proved that I'm not gonna be like the online. Uh, person, uh, like I'm not gonna hop into to, to player matches. <laughs> I, I feel like it is. I feel like the fact that I never broke uh, level ten. I feel like it, it means that it's pretty too late to come up with all you people <laughs> who are like elites in season two and whatever. I don't even know. Game so uh, good. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. So those are those are like my probably my answers. Games that I mean, they could I could also just have a really dumb bad time with them. But um, since like those are those are definitely the ones I'm going into where I'm like I know I'm going to play them, and those are the ones I have zero expectations for. So, those are the ones that at least fit part of the criteria of his uh, his question. Yeah. Like For Honor is another one where like I like that game kind of interests me, but I, I don't care. Staying, I do yeah, care yeah, like I mostly <laughs> am just so in the dark on it. Where I'm like like I at PAX uh, at PAX West I saw um, the For Honor guy. Who's uh, Jason Vanderberg? Um, yes, like I was. I was going to pick up my badge, and uh, and I saw him like talking to somebody, and like in my head, I screamed like Four Honor guy." <laughs> he's that guy who's out there talking, and Kane, the guy with the cane. He's so passionate. I love his passion every time he's out there talking about the game at E3. Um, but I didn't well, like. I didn't want to scream Four Honor dude," um, and and be a dick and interrupt his conversation. But I like tweeted at him later after I like looked up his name and figured out who he was. Um, and he was like, you totally should have. And I was like, ah, I felt like a dick like doing that. But I love your passion. For he would have totally yeah. known, though. This is the best oh, yeah. No. 
we like we had a we had a we had a nice little Twitter exchange as a result of it. But yeah, it was it was like that's like my only real interest in that game is coming from his passion for it when he's out there talking about it at E3. Um, like the the gameplay itself, I'm like, okay, that looks neat enough. Um, but like I I wasn't like jumping to get into the alpha build that that was just out or anything like that. So it's it's a game I'm sure I'll check out when it comes out. But yeah, it's it's another one where I'm like I have no no like really skin in the game on that one, but it could come and surprise me and, and really win me over. People yeah. at PAX were saying like how great it felt, how like everybody was talking about how great the the mechanics of it feel and how great it feels to control. So yeah, that could be cool. Jarrett was talking about it on the latest podcast, so I mean, could be could be all right. Um, Persona Five, definitely no expectations there. Zero. Nope. Uh, just don't even know what the game is. Yeah. All right. Um, Paul Grismakowski. I feel bad because I don't think I've ever said his last name. At Apology. Well, actually, like I had not seen in a while, so it was nice to see him kind of pop up here. says not not that we necessarily get to choose for ourselves but what would you want to be known for this is one of those like deep existential ones yeah it is like i got this question and i was like oh damn it paul apology coming up with the the hot fire the deep cut straight fire i mean Um, like my my go-to is like that i created something uh that that i created something worthwhile that like impact that had an impact on people um that's like my hope whatever like whatever whatever i leave behind i hope it has a positive influence mm-hmm. um I, I mean, yeah it's it's i don't know I, like i don't envision i'll write some pulitzer prize winning like video game article but that'd be really cool if it did oh that'd be super cool yeah, yeah. i this this got me thinking about like um a conversation i had with some of my friends uh recently uh me and my friends go out every monday night um and uh, just you know, just to see, just an excuse to make sure we see each other every every Monday night. And my friend Josh was asking me, he's like, "So what's your plan, right? What's your game plan?" And I said, "Well, you know, I, I have I'm building up my per- portfolio, I'm making connections, and hopefully, like that'll be able to get me a job at some point, a full time position." He's like, "Yeah," and then you have to move out there. I'm like, "Yeah," then I move out there. He's like, "So what's after that?" I'm like, "Well, you know, if I can get a job somewhere big." then hopefully if I work there long enough, I can go somewhere maybe smaller um, and start writing the things that I'll probably wouldn't be able to write at the big place and that I would want to write at the smaller place, right? Uh, he's like, yeah, but then what after that? You're just going to live on the West Coast for the rest of your life, play video games? I'm like, oh, man, I don't think about it a lot. And I, I got, I, I drank enough to like start thinking about it. And then <laughs> I, I have like in my head, right, I, I move out west for like ten years, um, and then like after that maybe I, I move back east, and then that's the time. Like I've joked a lot about irrational passions too, but like maybe like I thought about it of like if I could be out there and build up enough people that I trust and can do something with, I would want to start my own thing. Like go, and it's going to be very different climate in of ten course. years. Yeah. Um, so God knows if this would be, even be possible, but like to do like the kind of funny thing and, and to leave and make my own thing uh, with people. And I would want to move back East probably to do that. Uh, so I could, if like I, at some point I wanted to start a family, I could be closer to my parents so that they'd be able to be around their grandchildren. Uh, Cause that's something that's genuinely important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like yeah so like in an ideal future i i'd be able to you know make my break build up enough reputation and enough team that i can start my own thing bring it back to the east coast bring it back home for me uh and and have that be my legacy i like i i never thought about it until like a few months ago but i actually did think about that that's that is my my long-term dream probably and you know you have to have dreams too because like i have this dream and maybe 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 not it is is drawing so close that i might be able to achieve it that i started thinking a little bit past that and and what i would want to do after that yeah Um, yeah if we're going if we're going more kind of more in the weeds like that yeah i i I've said this to him a couple times when I've when I've seen him, but um, I my first interaction with Per Schneider was um, after uh, after getting to tour IGN uh, last year, right before Kind of Funny Live. Um, uh, Sean Pitts uh, got me in with uh, a tour that he had with Jared Pet- Petty. Um, I emailed Per and was basically like, "Hey, hey I just want to thank you for letting me come into your." Um, uh, in, like come in and thank you for like uh, you know pr- uh, promoting an environment that allowed fans that allows fans to come in and and experience that and I had a I asked him I was like a lot of people you know want to go and be the next Marty or the next Greg how do I become the next pair because that's what I would want to do that's like that's my goal if if I do end up you know being fortunate enough to get into the industry, become, you know, like a start at IGN or something like that. I want to work up and I want to, um, I want to kind of build that and, and foster it and help it grow, um, help it kind of change and take a business side of me, um, that, uh, that I dedicated, you know, years to getting those business degrees. And, and, and I love that, that side of the industry. I want to see what I can do to, to help build a site like that. And so, yeah, I'd like, I, I've talked to him a couple of times about like, how do I get to be the next you? Like when you're ready to retire pair, how can I be? <laughs> how do I position? take your job? Pretty much. <laughs> like, is there an internship for that now? Cause I will move out there right now to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, I get like, I guess if we're getting kind of more specific, cause, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, um, like the idea, like, I love what I'm doing with, with, with Trevor Trove and kind of the, like the independent, and I love being able to just kind of write whatever I want to write or talk about whatever I want to talk about. But I also love the structure that would, that comes with, with an IGN. Um, and I love working within structure like that. Uh, I don't have, I, I don't have the patience to probably do the, the full blown entrepreneur thing and try and build Trevor Trove up to the, the state it would need to be to really be like my primary source of income. So yeah, maybe so. being Trevor from Trevor Trove is great and it's fun, but I would rather like have the security and stability of being Trevor from IGN or being Trevor from GameSpot or something like that. So yeah. that's, that is certainly kind of my next goal um, is kind of there, but uh, I mean, yeah. And then going, going and taking that, kind of what yeah what is next what does happen after i do that is that the peak do i just kind of reach that and build from there if i'm ever fortunate enough to to reach that or or what happens i don't i have not thought that far down the line yeah and like that when i read the question that's that's what i thought like that was the the train of thought that that i went down um and 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is to me, it is incredible that Irrational Passions is a name that means something. Because, like, when I was 17 and I thought of that name as a joke, uh, when we were coming up with all of our joke names and it stuck, like, I never thought it would mean anything, like, mm -hmm. genuinely. I never thought we would eventually become part of the VG Evo network of podcasts. I never thought. I would be able to go to an event as press and I never, I sure as hell never thought that irrational passions would ever mean anything ever, uh, honestly. And like it, it was never intended to be that it was always a vehicle to get me from point A to point B. And it still is to an extent. And even if rational passions only means something in the context of Alex O'Neill from next to it, it that's, more than I could have hoped for, more than I could have asked for. Mm -hmm. um, but like, as far as like specific things, because um, he does says uh, to be known for, like uh, as far as like things that I've made that have resonated with people, the uh, when the response that I got to my 500 Days of Summer essay that I wrote was like emotional for me uh, because like that was the first thing that I ever wrote that got to me on an emotional level like I when I recorded the audio for that like I was getting really choked up at the end um, and it, like I get choked up when I listen to it um, and because it just has that memory for me and hearing that people either cried or got choked up reading that means like more than I could ever put into words um, yeah. and like that is definitely you know when I wrote the growing up with a generation piece when I hit day 100, like that was my favorite thing I had ever written and still one of my favorite things I've ever written. And then when I wrote that essay, that was, that's up there as well. So. Very cool. It's, it's a great essay. Uh, I'll, Thank you. I'll add that to the thing, to the list of things I'm going to link. <laughs> um, yeah. I, like, I mean, how does uh, the fact that like you got me and you got Danny doing this whole, like, don't break the chain thing. And and Logan Wilkinson, who and writes Logan for Rational Passion. Yeah. Okay. Great. I don't know, man. Y'all are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, it's crazy. Like, I forget, and then I remember, and then I get all, all grinny and smiley and stuff like that. But I, it's so cool. Like, I'm, I'm humbled. That's, that's your legacy. That's my legacy. When I'm dead... Y'all will live on, right on for me. <laughs> you, I'm your legacy, Alex. Yes, I, you exactly. created me. I so. created Trevor. So there, there we go. So when you get hired That's... in the industry before me, and I I curl up and die as like I turn to dust, I'll we'll know why. Like <laughs> real talk, like as as I go to to events and and like that becomes ever like a possibility i sit there and i like i beat myself up because i'm like i like i feel like i'm cutting the line for alex <laughs> this isn't fair like I, I, he's been doing this so much longer he's so much better at it than i am like why is it whoa like how is it i'm getting these opportunities that's it's just that it like and it does like i i do genuinely like get like torn up about that so we well, don't have to be you, i know but i am i am and good and if it happens <laughs> if it happens like i there will there will be guilt until <laughs> i bring you along with me yeah yeah so until until i like i bring you along for the ride because 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, you sparked this. It's 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 weird too, because like speaking of like that, f- like founding that thing that I could find like make in the in the future, like knowing all the people that I know now, I already have like a short list. Assuming everyone makes it, which more than likely they won't, but in a perfect world, uh, I already have like that list in my head of the mm-hmm. people that are, are going to come together, and like I know will will want to do it. Um, right. And we're gonna so, we're gonna rule the so world. After I've built IGN up to the an even mega more mega site, and I'm looking for like retirement, I'll come and, and run the business side of Irrational Passions too. You got yeah. it, buddy. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it will make up. You'll make up for it. Don't worry. No, I mean like it's there are plenty of people that that I think have cut the line. You are not one of them. Uh, no, okay. Yes. Yeah, so don't don't you worry. Um, but like I, I don't get choked up about it or anything. Like I, I knew when I started this that there was a good chance that I wouldn't make it. Um, and I think I've gotten past the point of no return, or at least I keep telling myself that. As far as like, I could probably get there at this point. I just got to keep doing a couple of things. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over here. Yeah, I don't want to sound overconfident, but that's that's like. People are like, you're gonna make it. I'm like, I don't know. Like, no, it no, is no, 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 entirely no. possible. I'm not gonna make it. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like I could still be doing this stupid stuff in like six years, and and, and then you'd be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, trust me. I like it when people find out that Irrational Passions has been around for six years, and they're like, "Whoa, really?" I'd be like, "Yeah, dog. I've been at this way longer than you have." Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's not a, a thing of trying to demean anyone or, or anything it's just like uh yeah you know i'm working hard i'm not gonna stop for anything so yeah like when roger and caleb are our bosses yeah I'm right like, God damn it God damn it you kids. that's gonna be bullshit <laughs> young whippersnappers <laughs> exactly they don't even know they don't Ugh. even know what a super nintendo controller looks like actually caleb has a pretty solid atari collection he tweeted at me one point okay because like his yeah, he's talked to me somebody. about it yeah it's about atari yeah so he's he's got like he gets a pass on the history there, but a bit, a bit. he needs to do something about his hair. Yeah, dude, just cut that hair, man. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> so, it, it, talking about legacy, I figured it would be a great. Uh, I tried this in the last episode. Troveway doesn't work, so I'm going with Trove Transition <laughs> because I thought about that. Like, hop, hop up on the Trevor Train because <laughs> alliteration is just my thing. That's all I can do. That's yeah. my. That's, I'm a one trick pony, and it's alliteration. Hell yeah! Uh, but yeah, as soon as I was like listening to my last episode, where I was like Troveway, Trevorway, nope, none of those things work. Would, Immediately would say, listening back, I was like Trevor or Trove Transition. There we Trove go. Transition. So what you're trying to say is there's a million things that I haven't done. Just you wait. Just you wait. Indeed. Yeah. So the Trove Transition talking about legacy is i got you hooked on hamilton and uh and so let's chat about that because yeah like we 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 touched on it a little bit when i came on to uh to ip 291 and mm-hmm. did my epic intro my Nabishin like hamilton intro um but yeah like how uh how's that been are you are you consuming that the same way that you kind of consume music yes earlier yeah 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 absolutely like that's that's the one that i've been consuming that way so yeah that, that was like a solid two months pretty much um it's it's weird so my journey with hamilton started like before like you finally told me to just listen to it um it was like so i one of my favorite podcasts is my brother my brother and me um fantastic podcast probably like second only in my heart to the giant bomb cast um 
and it's they they're friends with Lin Manuel Miranda. They've had him on like twice, I think. Uh, and they just you know, he did this thing in the Wait, my sorry, brother. Is, is this the is this the McElroys? Yeah, the McElroys yeah. brothers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the brothers McElroy. Yeah. Okay, McElroy. Sorry. Uh, Joy. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, Greg Miller can't get it right, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, I, I, like I follow all of them, and I see him tweeting with all of them, and so yeah, I just I didn't know. My yeah, yeah, the uh, Justin Griffin and Travis McElroy. Um, they uh, so they they had like this running or had this running joke um, that started with Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, he's you know he's famous. Right, he's a famous person, so he has he access. Was a Tony Award winner before Hamilton, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he has access to other famous people, so to troll the McRoy brothers in their Facebook group, he would go and have record a quick video of famous celebrities uh, saying "great job" to one of the McRoy brothers and post it in the Facebook group. <laughs> so it started. So my obsession with Carly Rae Jepsen started when Griffin was like, "Y'all, this is the second coming." You need to get on this emotion album right now. Uh, and it started with Lin-Manuel Miranda going up to Carly Rae Jepsen and having her say, hey, Griffin, I just want to say great job. And then that led to this incredible, just incredible, like from like The Rock to RuPaul uh, to just like all these ridiculous celebrities just saying great job to different McRoy brothers. And I'm like, this Lin-Manuel Miranda guy seems all right. I should give Hamilton a listen at some point. And then you finally told me to listen to it. And I, I downloaded it and listened to it, which resulted in me. Uh, I'm trying to, when was that coming back from, was that back from PAX East or back? Uh, Might've been, I think it was. Yeah. I feel um, like that was probably the last thing you, you traveled to. No, it couldn't have been because I was no. flying alone. So it must have been. It might have been PSX. No, it was after no, that. It wasn't that far. It wasn't that far back. It, it might have been flying two kind of funny live. Um, I think it was. Uh, I two were back from kind of funny live. I just remember because I was alone. The airplane was mostly empty, and I had, I was on the last song of Hamilton. I'm just crying, just sobbing, like <laughs> like literally having to hold my body so I'm not full body sobbing. <laughs> As the stewardess is coming down asking if anyone wants a drink. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that man, Hamilton, is so good. Yeah. As a guy who loves rap and hip hop, like, I knew, I knew, and it's even better than I could have hoped. Yeah. Now, I'm reading the, uh, the Hamilton, the Revolution book right now, which is like part liner notes and then part um, kind of like each each song they kind of tell. A story um, about that, so they'll talk about uh, you know going into uh, satisfied. They'll talk about um, uh, oh shoot, I'm blanking on her name. Um, the, the actress, uh, oh, the, the actress, actress who plays uh, Angelica. Yeah, they talk about her like her journey into the show and how she almost uh, didn't audition for it um, because she was a little kind of panicked about it, and and then you hear kind of like from. Lynn Manuel's side, like she came in, she nailed it because she was the first person who, like the, who didn't sound like um, she was rushing to keep up with the lyrics. Like she, they just flowed right out of her, and they were like, "That's that's who we, that's who we're going with." And so, yeah. like, there's just great little anecdotes about kind of a whole bunch, of, which for a theater nerd like me, that's like, it, I'm just, it's manna from heaven um, on this show that I uh, adore and 
can't wait to actually like i'm there are days where i'm like maybe i'll just skip a video game event and i'll just buy a ticket to new york at like buy a <laughs> ticket to hamilton and then just plan a trip to new york around that instead because yeah. um, uh, yeah i definitely want to see that sooner than later and yeah. i think the most more likely i'll probably just see it like when it comes to la in a in a year or so yeah um, I'll, like i'll do a road trip out there with some friends I like. Yeah. I, I know it was professionally recorded at some point, so I'm I'm holding out. Yeah, and there there's a PBS documentary I think that's also like a making of. It's it's the kind of, like they record that stuff for like archival purposes, um, and if they're gonna put it anywhere, it's gonna be on PBS. But because that show is raking in millions of dollars, yeah, it's not uh, for a while. It's not. Yeah, like they they haven't done that with Wicked yet, um, or they haven't and they haven't made a movie of Wicked yet, so. Um, It'll be interesting to see the the trajectory for Hamilton, um, yeah. especially because it like he talks about it so much that it's the story of America told uh, then told by America today told yep. by told for America now, yep. and it's and like the reality of the situation is America now that they're trying to tell the story to can't afford twelve hundred dollar tickets to see Hamilton on Broadway, mm -hmm. so. They need to do something uh, like there's a chapter in the book that's basically like I can't wait until a few years down the line where when this show is being done in high schools and and it's being done like on the community scene and kids are getting to tell that story yep. and and experience that story and and do all that stuff and I was like yes that's like it's a show that I would love to do someday and be a part of someday but I know racially casting um, like. I could maybe be like that's that's the show that would get me back into theater right now is the yeah because I I haven't done anything for two years and I'm like quite content to have chosen like kind of to focus on gaming and doing this stuff instead of instead of going and doing a rehearsals for a show but like if somebody were doing Hamilton I would like bend over backwards to do something and work something on that show even if it's like backstage I would just I, like I want to be around that. And, and make sure that somebody is telling that story right. Um, yeah. yeah, that's oh, I love that show. Love it so much. Yeah, I love it. Like it, I, like Lynn did a, a Time Magazine interview for like when he got like hundred most influential people, whatever, twenty fifteen or something. One of those Time Magazine arbitrary number lists. Uh, he was in it, and he did like a, a video interview talking about like how this is what America. When you see this show, this is what America looks like today. Like, you know, if there was sure we're reenacting a bunch of old white people like doing old white people shit, but it's way more fun with the the kind of like, in a way, rose tinted glasses of like, let's look at this as if it were told today. And it's I love it. Like, it's it's such an important part of that show. And it's like it, it hits home. Like I as a person who is like very passionate about like a lot of social issues uh, it speaks to me on that level, as well as being a phenomenal just story on its own merits, right? Like it's a love story and a story of betrayal and a story of two people who aren't that different, but went down different different paths. Um, and, and, and the story of creating America's banks, exactly, and creating America's banks. That's, that's Act Two. Yeah, let's let's get into the the exciting drama of creating America's bank. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know, they make it exciting. They, and, exactly. Yeah, and like the awesome. the idea of Thomas Jefferson being this sassy motherfucker is just like yeah. so cool. Uh, and like 
also through the scope of like to an extent all this shit happened like yeah. these were all people uh who had loves and who had hates and who had passions and like obviously as a fellow writer you know like i feel like hamilton speaks to us oh, as a as a human like in a very intimate way um and I don't know, it's just it's it's it is a motivating story. I listen to Alexander Hamilton to hype myself up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, you know, the idea, like, there's a million things I haven't done, but yeah. just you wait is like, yeah. that is like amazing. It's, I mean, it's in the same with like nonstop. Like, how do you write like you're running out of time? I'm like, this is this is the mantra of Alex and I. <laughs> yeah. How do you write like tomorrow would arrive? Like, yeah. it's like you need it to survive. Like, that's exactly how I feel about it. And it's, it is like, and it's also like that song in particular told through the scope of other people talking to Hamilton, like how he presents himself to the world. And then like all the motifs that come back. Yeah. Nonstop is a phenomenal piece. And just like, as like a musical piece, like, Hey, let's, you know, rap and like Broadway music style, like very bravado dramatic and like how one can kind of represent like America which is true to today and the other can kind of represent this British regime that is like the old in the new Mm -hmm. and how they combat each other, but also how they complement each other. Like uh, Angelica Schuyler versus Elizabeth Schuyler. And like one is much more traditional musical. The other is much more uh, modern and rap. Uh, And it's just like how they work against each other, how they complement each other. And then how those motifs like come back throughout the whole play. It's just, it's, like you definitely need to read the book because the um like uh, one of my favorite parts in it are like the little footnotes where Mm -hmm. you're reading the liner notes and like for um uh for help helpless um lynn basically has this whole liner note about talking about how um you know that song specifically is inspired by like the mary j blige and the jaw ruler like the 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 kind of ballads in the in the 90s and the 2000s that were like um, an R&B singer with like a gravelly rapper kind of singing like a hook to it. And so he, he talks in there about how there's that the line at like the end of his because that's exactly and and like reading that and then listening to that song. It's like, that's exactly what that is. It is. Mm-hmm. She's singing a, a beautiful ballad and then he's sick. He, like he does a, a rap response to it. Mm-hmm. And he he talks about in it how like and in rehearsal one day he just wrapped the last couple lines with like gravelly jaw rule because when I'm alive Eliza you're never gonna feel so and like he did yeah. that to make her laugh and it made her laugh and makes her laugh every night so he like that it became that part of the show yeah um, this taking this thing that was directly inspired by hip hop culture and that's like I'm because I'm not a student of hip hop culture and and mm-hmm. and. And like, I didn't catch, I catch a lot of like the little musical flourishes, like the, the little references to South Pacific or to the last five years, I catch those little lines and they stand out to me, but like, he's got direct call outs of like big pun and, and, uh, and notorious BIG and stuff. And, and so reading those in the footnotes, I'm like, oh, I did know that. I just didn't know that I knew that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it didn't, it like, I remember hearing those songs, um, back when they were like the top 40 of the time, but they didn't like sit with me. Like they've sat with Lin-Manuel as they, yeah. as long as they have. Um, there's a, are you, have you listened to any of the room where it's happening? It is a podcast uh, about. Hamilton oh, I've heard of. Yes. I've with, heard. Uh, Mike Drucker is one of the hosts of it. Yeah. I've not uh, and, listened to and, it. 
Trayvon Free, who used to write for, he's a comedian that I think used to write for The Daily Show. Um, I don't know if he's got any crazy projects right now outside of that. But yeah, they like each each week they bring in like a guest um, to kind of talk about the show and they'll like they'll do a segment where they basically focus on like one song and they'll talk about the song in in context of the show and and it's like it's a great fun little podcast and they've got specifically they've got one last time reserved because every episode they try and make a plea to get Barack Obama to come and do the show and they're oh, like yeah. if you come and do the show that's the song we'll we'll reserve for you Mr. President yeah. um, and so uh so yeah that's it's a it's it's a great listen um I'm a couple episodes behind but um I'm pretty sure it's like a weekly show um great listen uh if you are a fan of of Hamilton to yeah. something, something to look into check out and i'll say like um roger Bercorny came down to visit um recently for folks who don't know great kid uh and uh being able to like listen like through our various car trips uh throughout that weekend we slowly listened through all of hamilton in my car and being able to share that with him was like magical for sure mm-hmm. like because he is in a lot of ways uh a student of hip hop culture. Like he yeah. gets that stuff more than I do. Cause he listens to more like hip hop. And like, he has like this great opinion of hip hop of like, it's fluid and it's ever changing. It's ever shifting. And you can't define what is hip hop because to define it would be to, de- to betray what it is. Um, and I love, I, I love that perspective. Uh, and I think that is so true to what Hamilton is trying to say as well. So, like, you know, there was a moment where he's like, this is so fucking cool because it's like we're, it's like this is a concept album and we're just going through it, listening to it this way. And I'm like, that's exactly why I love it so much. And that's, it started out as uh, the, the Hamilton mixtape. It was like bef- before it was a musical. He, when he initially pitched it at, um, at, a, at a White House, like yeah. awards dinner or something. Yeah. Uh, and did poetry uh, reading. Did Alexander Hamilton for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was like, so this is a new concept album I'm working on, you know, about the most hip hop thing, you know, like you you could think of um, America's first uh, treasury secretary. Yeah. <laughs> and and re- that's another like cool thing is because you you as you read through, I've I've made it through act one um, of the book and they really go into like kind of the steps that went along the way, because like he had the idea and like he. He jumped on it, but then he got sidetracked with a few projects and he did like the music for like Bring It On the Musical and, and he was doing some stuff with that kind of mm-hmm. in the interim. And then he finally came back and and like focused on that show. Um, and at some point they were like, I think this is a full blown musical. I don't think this is a concept album. I think this is a like you've got you're telling a, a, a very theatrical story here. We can do something with this on stage. Yeah, and so it's 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 great reading about him and his collaborators kind of making that realization. Yeah. And like the emails, like they, they have like just kind of email back and forth or text exchanges that are that like kind of are some of those moments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great read. And yeah, I, like I'm, I'm fortunate in that like most of the people from my pre gaming community are super theater nerds. So I can talk about this with any of them. Yeah. Uh, the theater that I used to work at uh, Phoenix theater in town is doing in the Heights. I'm probably going to try and catch it like tomorrow. Um, they're doing uh, his first show. Yeah. Um, they, they, they very blatantly like ripped off the Hamilton like logo to promote the show that I think is a little <laughs> kind of tacky. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's like the star thing with the guy and, but it's, it's now, 
the Usnavi from this show doing the like the hand up in the air thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that's like, really? You, uh, uh. Um, but like, I've got friends in the show and I'm so I'm looking forward to to getting out to see that. And yeah, I ha- so I have that uh, like that community here that I could go and chat with. So I'm, I'm glad that you were able to kind of share that experience with. Ryan. Yeah. Thank God. It's good to get it like out on someone. Cause I try to tell my friends and I'm like, they don't care. Uh, since I, I say musical, they're like, no. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very difficult for me to share music with other people. Like going off of that conversation we had earlier, like I've been to concerts with people like, like one or two different people uh, that have been fun, but like, most of the music that like is the most important music in my life to me, like that run with the hundred album, like I don't really have anyone to share that with. Um, and like, I'm partly okay with that. Partly sad about that. So it was good to have like Roger is as into Hamilton as I am. And as you are, and that's awesome. So yeah. cool. All right. Enough gushing about Hamilton. We've still got so a good. Of questions to go to, listen to, to it. Go. Yeah. Go listen to Hamilton. You're like, you're pretty much going to get the whole show. If you listen to the the album, there's like one song scene. That's not on. I had there. to look that up months later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah as did I, like I, it, like I got introduced to it when I was listening to the room where it's happening soundtrack where mm-hmm. they were like, Oh yeah. Like, cause they'll do like call and sequence or call and segments where people can call into the show and talk about their favorite song. And somebody was like, my favorite song in the show is the one that's not really on the album. And it's this, I was like, Oh, I need to find that now immediately. And I go and listen to it. And now, like now I listen to that song specifically because I don't have it at my disposal on, on my phone. Mm-hmm. I listen to that like once a day at work where I'm just like, I need, I, I just need that emotional gut punch of, yep. of uh, tomorrow. There'll be more of us. I think that's, I think that's yeah. yeah something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Hamilton is great, and everybody should should listen to it because uh, yeah. it's changing the world. For Auditory all, masterpiece. All reasons. Yes. Yeah. So good. Uh, so up next we have a uh, uh, friend of uh, friend of mine and and fellow Rational Passions host of yours, Brian Artist. Brian, that's weird. Brian Nabish and Jackson. No, he's always Nabish and like. Get artist, artist is his your, real main get, middle get, name. Uh, get artist out of your Twitter handle, even though it's really cool. <laughs> Uh, Nabishin, uh, or Nabishin. Nabishin. <laughs> Nabishin, if you are Greg uh, Miller or Colin Moriarty. Yes. Uh, uh, Nabishin asks, uh, probably too late, but how are we still feeling about VR? Little under a month away before VR, PSVR is out. And then I've lost the second tweet, but it was something to the effect of, is it still a day still, one? Still day one or waiting for the inevitable upgraded wait, yeah. better version, yeah. Um, so where do you fall on this? I'm, I'm like, I've got my pre-order. I'm going to get it. And it's like, I, when I, prior to doing the pre-order, I hadn't really played like any kind of like, wow experience. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but I figured like, I was like, I'm going to get it so I can cover it for the site. And that was like, that was good enough for me to make the investment in it. It's something I I'm sure I will enjoy enough of that. I'm going to get my money's worth from it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because like Nobishin is so skeptical right like he's always the devil's advocate by like essential like necessity for himself uh when he talks about on the show um i'm like i'm a believer i'm a justin bieber believer uh in vr um i like i used oculus for the first time in 2014 Uh, i played this indie game where you're like in a computer hacking shit with your face ah so cool it was like (laughs) It was amazing. It was uh, DK1 of Oculus. Uh, and then I use PSVR or PSX. I played Battlezone. 
which mm-hmm. is awesome. Like as much as like it's a thing that'll hold your attention for fifteen to twenty minutes, like it was still enough to convince me that this technology is phenomenal. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna get it day one just out of like cost prohibitish prohib prohibitance prohibition the prohibition the great prohibition of vr um <laughs> no yeah it's, it's just too expensive like i can't mid like mid to beginning of october i can't drop 400 dollars. like it's just not gonna happen yeah that's um fair. and you know like i'm fine with it because like the first thing i want to play on it like farpoint looks cool uh battle zone is cool Breaks looks cool, but the first thing I want to play on it is Resident Evil Seven, which like I don't even think I'll have the emotional capacity to do. <laughs> um, and that doesn't come out till January, so like I'm not I'm not rushed. Yeah. Um, but it is very much like I don't see like a real good VR game coming out for this until 2018. Like I, I know that. Like, yeah. but I think it is definitely going to be a way to play games in the future that is super cool. So yeah. Yeah, no, I'm 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 still day one. I'm still fine being day one. Um, my first experience with it was at uh, at PlayStation Experience. I played to like the Classroom Aquatic or something like that. It was, and I, I've written about this and talked about it before. Um, it was like a you play as a dolphin taking a pop quiz. Um, oh yeah, I've heard about this. You're, you're surrounded by other dolphins, and you don't like the the test in front of you is just like random obscure things based on whatever subject, whatever class you're in. Um, but all of your fellow students know all the answers because they're all the smartest dolphins and you're the idiot. And so you basically are trying to cheat off of everybody. My demo broke where um, I, uh, yeah, like I, cause they give you like an eraser that you can throw to distract. So the teacher doesn't like catch you. Um, and I threw my first one and then like the teacher froze in place and I couldn't throw anything. And the more. teacher died. And so like, <laughs> I, was, like, I don't like, but he like froze in place like near enough by that I felt weird. Like I, like I felt like I was going to get caught if I tried to cheat. So I just kind of, it was a weird like way to finish the demo, but it was still cool, immersive, like looking around behind me experience. And then uh, I played uh, HTC Vive at, at PAX West uh, just a few weeks ago. I got to play the virtual Rickality, the Rick and Morty VR game. Oh shit. And I broke that demo too. <laughs> and and uh, that was like, they, uh, uh, I got to play it and uh, I'm going through and, and uh and like they have a so that demo uh it was my first time with the vibe so that was cool kind of like seeing the camera set up and and everything and knowing that okay i can i can walk around the space and it's gonna track my movements and all that stuff that way um and it was very fluid and and great and so that demo gets you set up um I, t- I talked about this on on Cameron's show, Naughty Gamers, but then I accidentally saved over the audio for that, so that's his lost episode. So I'll go over it here <laughs> instead. Um, but the so don't that, jinx it. Yeah, that's well. I've got a backup plan on this one at least, so yeah, we'll save true. something here. Um, but yeah, on that. Uh, so you start out and and basically Rick is like uh, he created you as a clone, Morty, and uh, and but you can't talk, so that's how they get around that whole thing. And, uh, and he's basically like, he's making you a slave. So he's like, it's, it's basically a job simulator kind of clone. Um, and he basically gives you laundry to do. And so you grab the, the washer and like lift the lid and grab the clothes out of there and throw. And then at some point, um, cause the first time I did it, I like, I wasn't doing everything as I was supposed to do. Uh, and, and Rick at some points just like, he's just, he's failing. So he like pulls out a gun and shoots you and sends you to purgatory. 
And the second time, because I, I made the thing crash later and uh, and got to try it again, I was like on point and I got the like I got the stuff going um, and it still like it still gave me the kill, the quote unquote kill screen to send me to purgatory where a phone's ringing in front of you. You pick it up and pull it up and you can hear it then as it gets closer to you. So that was really cool. Um, and they're like, hey, we didn't expect you to die so soon. So we're going to send you back. Hope that's cool. Um, like they definitely nail the humor of the show and the tone of the show. Uh, it's uh, it's mostly written internally at adults uh, with Adult Swim uh, and them, but uh, Justin Roiland, one of the the creators and the guy who does Rick and Morty, um, is like contributing some stuff to it. Um, so they they send you back, and then Rick basically like teaches you how to teleport into another area of the space, and then they're like, "We got to go do this thing, so don't touch anything and break anything." And there's a Mr. Me Six box right in front of you, and so I immediately go to push that, and that was where my first thing crashed, and I was like, "Oh." Maybe it was like, maybe that's a really cool meta joke because I touched something and I broke the thing. And then I, outside of the headphones, I hear like, oh shit. <laughs> and, and, and like the, the PR people are like feeling bad because I'm apparently the first person who has ever made the game crash on them. And, uh, and so they try and like reboot the system for, for a couple minutes and, uh, and ultimately they're like, uh, we're just going to try and send you like, so they took me out of the, the media booth and just took me onto one of the public stations and, and, and got me, uh, to play through the demo again. So I make it through that point, push the Mesix box and everything works fine this time. Like you throw Mesix around the room and then he becomes clones of you to do basically everything you're doing. So Mr. Mesix is wearing like a VR headset and it's just like the head and hands <laughs> and so if i'm moving around like this the me six across the room are, are doing the same so i had like five of them kind of around the space and there's a couple other things you can kind of play with and interact with and then the world starts collapsing and rick and morty come back and they're like quick go over there and pull that lever then they do and you go you walk through a portal and and you're in space and they and it's like the the sales pitch of like yeah we're doing vr bitch and and just do it like they give you kind of a spiel and how great it's how great Rickality is going to be, um, and yeah, it was just a ton of fun, great experience. Um, I think it'll be great on whatever platform it's on. It's simple. It's it is like it was just very much a job simulator, at least in the the limited demo I had. But uh, but yeah, I mean that was a fun enough experience that I'm like, oh, I I definitely want to enjoy that and more things like that. So um, so yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm sold on VR. I don't think I think I'm I'm in one of those camps like uh it was like colin is where like i don't think gaming is going to be like the alt the be all end all of vr mm -hmm. i've said for a long time i think like virtual tourism like being able to take being able to put on a vr experience and you can just go to disneyland um and not necessarily have to deal with rides or just experience all that stuff that's like going to be a game changer going to italy or something like that yeah. um and getting to tour the sistine chapel when you could like no, like you otherwise couldn't make that trip. I think that's, I think that's where um, we'll get kind of those those experiences will be like the future of VR, and that's what the mainstream will latch onto more so than the game experiences that we're we're going to get kind of in the in the near future. Yeah. Um, but I definitely and they they while I was talking to the mm -hmm. the Rick and Morty guys, um, they were talking about this panel that they were doing at PAX where they were like, oh yeah, like we're inviting people to just come pitch their best worst vr experience like pitches and i pitched not pitching it as a worst experience but i was like i think quidditch vr would would absolutely like 
cell systems and stuff and and like throw that and he was like that is like the best worst one i was like oh yeah now i feel bad about like what i thought was a really cool idea and and i think what's but like i can also then immediately like talking about it and, and experiencing it more more freshly i'm like oh but like quidditch in vr is going to be a motion sickness nightmare <laughs> so yeah it makes sense that that it might not oh yeah be a, a great idea um but yeah i think uh um I think that would be fun, which leads me into, ha I didn't even plan it, but uh, it worked out that way. Um, one of the other questions I had for you, Alex O'Neill from yeah. Rational Passions, Harry Potter, the books versus the movies. The, po- yeah. the Patronus thing just came out today as we're yeah, recording dog. this. So we, you, you, were you a cat? You were the cat, right? I was a Russian blue cat. You're, you're a Russian blue cat. My Patronus is a Mastiff. Speaking of um, cats, my cat is going crazy on my lap right now. I guess he says hi. Um, so I saw you tweet with Barrett at one point about how you hate the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. And so I just want to pick your brain about that. I think it's a valid, valid argument. I just am curious more for more of uh, more background on, on that. My, so I mean, for folks who don't know, like few things in this world mean more to me than video games. Harry Potter is one of them. Uh, my brother Derek told me the the moment that I knew you were a critic was when you came out of the Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter movie as a like eleven year old kid, maybe ten, uh, citing all of the differences from the the book to the movie <laughs> and how that made the experience worse and how this affected the implication of this and like stuff like that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that was the moment that I died on the inside, as all critics do. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's it's it it comes from a place of you're so you have such an affinity for the books. The books are so good, and the movies just don't do them justice. Like the first time I saw the fourth movie, which ends up being like maybe my favorite movie, like goddamn travesty that movie still is. Like, just like the the shit. Like, read the books and then watch the movies and tell me that shit does not make you furious like every time you see it, like like the shit in the fourth movie where Dumbledore like grabs Harry and like throws him against the wall is like what the fuck did you do is like what are you doing what is this what is this what is this uh or like Dobby being completely omitted out of the movies until the seventh movie for fucking no worry like the seventh movie if you have not read the books seventh and eighth I guess doesn't make any sense. Like nothing makes sense. You're like, how the fuck well, do they I know mean, about this goblet? Dobby was in two. Dobby's in the second one. Yeah, he's in two. But like, but why yeah, he doesn't he doesn't come back? And and what's the the other the serious black house elf that has like the key? Yeah, to, like R A B doesn't like he he didn't make an appearance, so they had to do the workarounds there. Well, they they he is in the fifth movie uh, because J K Rowling said you creature, should not right? cut him. Yeah, creature. Um, oh yeah. She's like, oh, he's important. You need to keep him in. Yeah, they didn't know. Those are like, I remember the, the background on that. Yeah. Yeah. The only time she was like, this probably needs to be in this movie. Um, and like, judging with what they did, they probably could have gotten away with him not even being in there. Um, but like, oh, God, it's just the fifth, the fifth book is my favorite book, right? As someone who struggles with depression and everything, like, being inside Harry's head after like literally watching a friend of his get murdered, mm-hmm. like, and it like fucks him up in a real, real, very, very real way. Like, he's he's got like uh, post traumatic stress disorder at the beginning of the fifth book, 
like he's going through the shit and then like you get back to the school and all this terrible stuff is happening with umbridge and he's essentially being like a russian prison prison tortured and yet he's also trying to be a teenager and trying to be like a normal kid and like like a girl and stuff like that and like the way that that book kind of encompasses all those things is beautiful and and like heart-wrenching because like it is long and is thick and there are these scenes of like him just being furious and angry and not knowing why like the whole end of the fifth book is phenomenal like when he's like breaking shit and yelling and he doesn't even know why uh is like so powerful it's poignant um and like literally the worst movie just like (laughs) there's a montage in the middle (laughs) And it's all, it's so bad. It, like it, I've seen it twice, and I will never. The second time I saw it, I can I just can't bring myself to watch it ever again. Like the uh, the fifth book is the one I always point to, be, where because that's the one I, where I realized I have this problem where as I f- like get to the end of a story, mm-hmm. I just rush through it mm-hmm. and I completely gloss over key points because I finished that book. And then I was talking to my sister about it, who like also had raced through it, and she's mentioning Sirius had died, and I'm like, "When did that happen?" Yeah, dog. <laughs> I just completely glossed <laughs> over that key, like final the, those key final moments of the. I was like, "What?" I, and then I immediately had to go back and and like do it. And so I was like, "That's like, I don't know. I have to. I have to like, as I feel myself finishing a story, I I feel myself ramping up, and I have to like." slow my pace bring yourself back down yeah so, so i can like focus and not just rush to like like that's i i hate it especially when i'm reading um because i'll like i'll get to the the page break and i'll see like that the end of a chapter is coming up because i'll see that like the next page only has like half the text and i immediately like go and finish the chapter and then i'll like i'll be like no i need to like i need to read this thing in order and so it's like that kind of stuff uh, and that is the that is the the most um, uh, resonating uh, instance where that happened to me, where I was like, yeah. oh, like, uh, nope, I completely missed this very key um, point. Um, and I, I can totally, I can totally get where you're coming from. Then, in in terms of, because it, uh, it's obviously going to be difficult to to condense as it is in every movie or book to movie translation. It's impossible to condense so mm-hmm. much storytelling into two hours, two and a half hours. And then they go and make, yeah, they make like the longest books, the shortest movies. And it's like, yeah, like it, it's why? just like, you I need feel more like time to breathe. They prioritize the wrong things in the movies too. Like the fifth book is like the fifth movie is more about like the teenage drama and the angst. And it's like, that's like a part of it, but it's a part of it because of like this internal struggle that Harry's going through. And instead of trying to find a way to convey that you truncated it in maybe the worst pe- way possible. Uh, and it's just like the heart was in the wrong, like, cause the same person did the fifth, uh, f- sixth, seventh and eighth movies. Yeah. And like, I thought, I thought he was bad, like from the word go. So and like, and he's the one coming back to do the, uh, the magical beasts, fantastic beasts. Yeah. Fantastic beasts, and, yeah. And, like fantastic beasts could be like amazing and great because it doesn't have to live with the legacy of the books. It can be a story in that movie and be a story or a story in that universe that is like in the same universe as the book universe. Mm-hmm. And like it has all that appreciation and that weight and value, and it doesn't have to be related to the movie. So like I'm excited for that. Like I, I just haven't been super into movies this year, but like I'm you know I'll watch that and I'll I'll have a good time I'm sure. But yeah, like the fifth book is like thick, 
and I, I like the fifth book for the same reason that I like Firewatch, a weird comparison, but like it is very much like a middle transitory period um, after something bad is ha- like after a traumatic event that is kind of like the picking up the pieces part of the story that most people don't like. I don't know anyone uh, except for Barrett that likes the fifth book. Um, they think it's too long and full of garbage, but like that book is that story speaks to me because like I've been in that situation where you're picking up the pieces of yourself. So um, fuck the movies. Um, They're bad and stupid and dumb. And I think, and (laughs) and I don't like them. Like, I mean, this is less of a do you think and more of a how long do you think it will take? Because um, I, totally, I, I could totally think they, <laughs> they would make this like uh, a Netflix series now. Like dude, Game dude, of Thrones. Barrett and I have been, hey, we have like, we're going to get that script written. We are going to pitch a BBC style Netflix series is going to happen. Like think about it, like you, you do uh, seven seasons and the seasons can get progressively longer or shorter depending Oh, it'd be so easy to make that like an incredible series. Yeah. Yeah. I th- And I think if we like, it would be very curious to see how the Harry Potter verse would have happened, would have shaken up if Game of Thrones had been a thing by then, or if Netflix had been like the juggernaut that it is now yeah. back when they first started. Yeah. I mean, like the, on those. the nice thing about Harry Potter is like, you don't even need the visual production that like thrones has like you could totally get away with less uh and in a lot of ways the the spirit of harry potter is less is more right Mm -hmm. showing less makes it better um and that's why i kind of that's why i i I don't like oh god instead in the movies you've got them just randomly spewing spells everywhere without saying any incantations or anything like that yeah without earning it right stuff yeah how does now I don't know how magic works in this world. Do I have to say a thing or can I just like point my wand? What, what, what is happening? You have to earn not being able to say a thing like nonverbal incantations, man. Like let's get into it. But like uh, the end of the eighth movie, like the reason like that they shoehorned into the visual representation of it is fucking bullshit. And if, (laughs) if like, Serious, like the end of the seventh book, like that final fight is the most perfect epic way to like tie the loop on that. And they ruined it. They like ruined it in the world. And no one ever talks about it. I don't know why they took this like thing that basically when you're reading that, it translates so well. Like I had a clear mental image in my head reading that. Like it, it, it could have been done perfectly without like that much effort even. Uh, and they ruined it like for no good reason. It doesn't make any sense. And they like they changed the way that the thing that happens happened, and then it fucking just turns to dust. And oh, oh my god, I have <laughs> never been more because like I'm like I was seeing that movie like you know I'm still it's the first time I'm seeing it. I'm crying. I just graduated high school. And my life is changing. My girlfriend is going off to college, and like things are happening. And I'm emotional, and then like that that bullshit ends, and I'm furious. So did you ever did you ever get to the point where you're like I'm not watching these movies anymore? Yeah, that's I'm absolutely at that point. I mean, like I mean, when they were coming out, because you you clearly like yeah, after after I finished each of them. After I finished the eighth movie, I've not ever watched a movie since. 
Okay. I never will. I don't ever want to watch them. Like people are like, no, we should watch them and then you'll see how good they are. I'd be like, no, fuck you. <laughs> fuck your <laughs> bullshit. I'm not Barrett Courtney and Alyssa Shimoda. They can go fuck themselves because I'm not watching those movies with them no matter how many times they ask me. <laughs> well, I, I imagine we probably lost some followers for you tonight. <laughs> Alex, so whatever. <laughs> but, but, but now I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I know that uh, the the your passion, your history. It's irrational. You you yes. have a very irrational passion about it. So I like. I have said on Twitter, like my distaste for them is personal and in many cases irrational. And I don't hold any anything against the people that like those movies. But we don't have to talk about it ever. <laughs> Well, now we have. So, yes, you never have to address it again. You can just always point people back to this video. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so I got two more things that I just wanted to touch base with you on. Uh, Telltale Batman. Uh, yeah. Have you written up your review on, on uh, the latest episode yet? I wrote. I saw you so you done some stuff on it, and you seem to have things to say on it, but I, haven't, I don't know if I'd seen yeah, I wrote most of it today, or at least half of it. Um, I'm trying a different thing with those reviews. or Like, I'm going to talk about things that happened in that episode in those reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything. It's like not going to be full of spoilers, but like I'm going to talk about the beginning and stuff like that. Um, because, you know, then I can construe points that people can follow along with. Yeah. Uh, and I, I said, like, I have like a note at the beginning of it saying like, hey, this the, I will spoil the previous episodes. So if you haven't played any of the episodes, then this isn't for you. Yeah, um, yeah I really liked it. Uh, I like they're they're making moves. Like there mm-hmm. is, uh, they're bold strokes there that like you know typically they're doing stuff that I'm like I don't know how I feel about this normally, but they've like gotten enough back for me. Like they've given enough and shown me enough that like I'm willing to give them a shot. Yeah, uh-huh. that was uh, mine, uh, and and yeah, we'll keep it. We can keep it vague, but um, uh, my little recap of it talks about how, like, I I spoil like the first the pre-title scene sequence and basically yeah. what you're doing there, mm-hmm. um, just because you 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 see that so much and what happens, uh, yeah. In, in, like we've seen that so much, too many iterations of that where I was like, it it becomes apparent that we're doing that again. I was like, oh god, really? Yeah. Okay, fine. Like, but you like this you're doing something hard. different. And yeah. then, and then they like they they earned that trust with with how they're taking it and what introduced what they introduced that is like key and unique to their story with it. So I was yeah. like, okay, I don't I don't hate that you did it. I mm-hmm. I think maybe you still could have gotten away from yeah. doing it, it yeah. that way, but but I get that that's a touchstone that you want to put your stamp your telltale stamp on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the the story. Uh, that they're they're playing with as a whole there too, um, but I had so many goddamn bugs and glitches and yeah stuff. I heard uh, so it, that was the, that was a big old pain in my butt. <laughs> it was it was definitely rough for me at the start, but then like it by the middle of the episode it was fine, and then it was fine throughout the end. Uh, so I, I definitely I know I like I lucked out. I'm going to talk about it in the review because there were stuff at the beginning that was like man come on, yeah. um, it didn't ruin the experience for me, but it's like yeah well, you got to bring up every review right. Yeah. Um, and like it, I, that's my review. Basically, it was like normally with this kind of stuff, I th- I tack it on at the end as like, hey, if this bothers you, but it was so prevalent in this one that I kicked this review off with. This was my laundry list of issues I had with it. So 
bear in mind you're going you you could potentially have to face that kind of stuff to get to the really good interesting story that's sitting underneath mm-hmm. so if if that means like wait until they maybe throw another patch or two at this if they're going to do that but yeah it was i was just like oh my like it's a bummer it didn't it didn't destroy the experience for me but i was like i maybe i do need to just like sit and wait until the rest of the season is done and they've gotten their shit together on it because yeah. I, like I, uh, it it nearly like broke broke the experience for me a couple times there so yeah um cool. yeah I'm, I'm 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 definitely interested to see where they continue going with it i like i like the, the themes they're exploring and um and the yeah it's it's a different take um on kind of the history of gotham that i um that i'm I'm, it's new to me. I don't know if they've. Yeah, you know, no, they've I've never. I've in other Batman stories, but I've never seen a Batman story quite like this. Um, and best, like best binary decisions of any Telltale game. Right. Yeah, I, 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 they were definitely like I was racking my brains on like, okay, which one do I want to make here? And then I would get frustrated because I would make one, and then like five minutes later, it was like, oh, well, apparently that's how that story beat was going to end so my decision didn't really like i i i felt mad that i had put so much like thought into a decision that i'd made when i was like okay mm-hmm. ultimately it seems like whatever i had chosen they were going to undo five minutes later anyway i just uh, like i like the premise of all of them especially yeah. the one in the middle which I mean, i'm going to talk about that in my review but yeah no that, that was a great one uh, and that's exactly like Navishan was like, they should do this. And I'm like, well, they just did like in the second episode before then I thought, which makes me think that they'll, that decision, that same decision will happen more times. And that's awesome. That's what they should be doing. And that's yeah. cool. Yeah. No, so. uh, totally, totally appreciate that on that one. It's, uh, it's, it's becoming one of my favorite Batman stories, mostly because it is so different. Like they're not afraid to take risks and make their own fucking Batman. And like, yeah. no one does that anymore. Yeah. Or they do it like, really, really bad. Performances are nailing it across the board. Like, yeah. there's not a person in that show in 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 there where I'm like, oh, I could have done without that. Doing oh, that. Penguin is so good. Yeah, it hurts me how good he is. And then when he when he had the mask on, I was like, Fuck, this is so good. This yes. is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, last uh, last thing I wanted to touch on with you, um, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, when we were talking about your your don't break the chain, and I've touched on it um, uh, in in my in talking about it in the past, where um, I took don't break the chain and amped it up to a hundred, where I was publishing every day, but you don't publish every day. So I'm curious because the only things I really see from you frequently these days are the Sunday chats. Yeah. So what kind of stuff are you working on and writing in between Sunday chats? Um, is this are you like if you're writing an Alex talks script, it, does that count as your writing for, yeah, yeah, for this stuff? Okay. And, um, and your, your rules are uh, 250 words to about 200. Like, okay. Sometimes it's been less. Sometimes it's been most of the time it's more, but uh, like, you know, I, I don't hold myself to any super high standard. Like as long as I'm, I'm doing it and I know I'm doing it, I've been definitely like, you can, you can draw the smiley face and you're fine. I can draw the smiley face and I'm fine. Um, there, there's not been a day where I've drawn the equivalent of a smiley face. There have been times when it's like, I need to rework this a lot, but sometimes like I'll, I'll try and like, Oh, I'm just going to shit something out. And it ends up being like super cool and interesting. Nice. Um, cause I tend to like just free form it. 
Like I don't, I don't write a lot of outlines. Um, now when I'm like, so I'm writing Alex talk scripts mostly. I think I have like seven done, like seven finished that just need to be edited and refined. Uh, one is obviously done. I've recorded the first episode. Um, the second one is done and like ready to shoot pretty much as well. I think, um, but, uh, when is this going up by the way? Um, this, uh, so part four here will be going up next Thursday. So the 20, 29th. Then people will probably know by then that Alex yeah. Tark starts tomorrow. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, you that know, I am uh, like, my stomach just dropped realizing <laughs> Uh, a week from Friday, yeah. Oh man, because I like I've only just started editing that episode um, because I've I've had so much I've had to do. But man, oh, it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a that script took me forever to write. That's about um, uh, I the original title of that was making Metroidvania again, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which I wrote as a title just because I thought it was fucking hilarious. Um, let me see. Uh, it's called Metroidvanias and, and gameplay stories now, but that one is like going to be, that's a good one to start out on. It's going to be really cool. People are going to think it's cool. And some people, I, I am terrified that I was just rambling throughout that, the end of that whole episode, but hopefully it's coherent. Um, but yeah, like I write, so I'm like, so in Alex talk strips, like it's like going underwater and like forgetting to come back for air pretty much like, I hadn't up until like this Batman review, I haven't like written anything that isn't Alex talks in about a month and a half. Um, Because like, like mid August when I started going into production for it, I'm like, fuck, I need all these scripts. They they all need to be done. Um, And like, I have a schedule written out um, and it's, you know, people, again, people also know it's biweekly by now, which means I like, I've been doing all these things to help get ready for that process to make it as easy, like making the intro card and making the outro card, which people haven't even seen that yet. Um, and, and making all the titles, making the background, setting up the green screen, doing test shoots, testing the audio, the video, uh, the lighting, uh, the green screen and doing a test shoot just for, uh, um, like shirt color match coordinations, like a bunch of like, like I have about like, 200 gigabytes of test video that I've just shot just try like this one's just for audio this one's just to see if I look weird reading from a teleprompter like so between Sunday chats it's me writing and then shooting and then writing and shooting and then doing that and then I wrote that trailer uh, that people will be able to see by now Um, I think that goes up on Sunday uh, so I can announce it during Sunday chats I don't know we'll find out it's it's uploaded to YouTube and scheduled, and when I did that, like I almost wanted to cry because like oh, oh god. Oh. Um, and here I'm I'm like you're talking about all this, and I'm like I'm pissed that I have to edit you going to the bathroom out of this. <laughs> it's, it's I'm I'm that rudimentary in my my editing abilities where I'm like ah fuck how am I gonna do that? Like I sh- I think I've gotten the snipping tool down <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I um. But yeah, that's that's like I'm like so in that I wrote a pitch for the first time because uh, Austin Walker was kind enough to get back to me about a pitch that I had sent him in August, um, and uh, he gave me some good notes. I'm like, man, I just I need to write like a freelance pitch because I haven't done that in like a month or like four months at this point. 
Uh, so I just wrote a pitch. It's terrible. It's garbage. And I'm going to throw it away. But it's at least an idea that I refined down to a, a sharp point and reminded myself that I could still do that, um, which was nice. But like the the most recent script, I guess to give people like a little hint, I, God knows when this will, this script will become an episode. But uh, it's one like a lot of my Alex Talks episodes are things that I've written in the past like 500 plus days and never published, right? It's most of my unpublished work that is actually like, I'm going to try and turn all of them into a script of some form. Um, but one of them that I actually was really, really excited about, um, a, the title is absurdly long. It's, it's called Empathy, Experience, and Villainy, Living Long Enough to See Yourself Become the Villain, uh, which was just kind of a placeholder title. Uh, but it's about The Last of Us. Uh, and it's it's like it's the first one that or I guess second one that has like a really defined thesis statement um, and that I kind of follow through and, and kind of elaborate on and talk about my experience. And I think it, like as I've written it as a script versus like I originally wrote it as an article, it has taken a different form that is a bit more emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like where it's going. So like that's something that I've written recently just turned that from article form into script form, which means I rewrote the whole thing from scratch. Very cool. That's uh, yeah. Cause that's, I, since I was just like throwing my shit at the wall for mm-hmm. those first 300 days, um, I was definitely like, and, and I think when I started doing it, I just didn't follow you closely enough to even realize that you weren't doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was mostly just my own ignorance um, being like, Oh yeah, no, I like, I'm going to go ahead and, like I'm gonna write something and put it up every day, um, but I definitely and I talked about this in my day 300 thing where I ran into like there would be so many nights where I was like I would just stare at a blank screen for hours because like I've got this deadline I don't know what I want to write about I don't know what I want to like put out there and publish and yeah and sometimes I would have those moments like you talk about where I'd like just I'd go at something and then something really cool would come out of it but then there were other times where I was like well that's one of the pieces of shit that I never actually need to go back and look at again. <laughs> point two, just this, I'll just send my tweet out about it. And if the two or three people check it out, cool. If not, no skin off my back. <laughs> yeah. I mean like the, the, the biggest takeaway and like, I don't like, I don't just like credit you for doing that. Like, I think that's like, that's too hard like for me. And I wouldn't want to do that just because so much of my work, I'd like to, take a night on or, or sleep on and stuff like that just because that's part of my process. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it was fun. Like when I started doing it and again, my initial inspiration was like, just do it every day. So you said you did something today. Um, so like it was never about finishing anything in one day. And I, that was always part of my process. And I, like I built my own process essentially. So like article, like a single article I, I'll write over the course of three to five days. And I like that because like, Sometimes when you come at something in the middle of an article, it's terrible, and then you have to reword stuff. Um, and sometimes when you like come back at something after sleeping on it, like you go off onto a note that you couldn't have hit that previous day, and it's more interesting in it in a way it has more momentum. Yeah. Uh, so like refining that process and and turning into something cool and and like I have like I can totally just pick up from where I left off now, uh, which is super fun. Uh, and it, it makes me more confident when I'm writing too. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely having a now that I've I've taken more of the your your approach for my chain, um, and I am like I'm not publishing every day, which is 
a huge sigh of relief, but I am still like working behind the scenes. Like I, I crafted the uh, my like preview piece for Final Fantasy 15 for like a week or two mm-hmm. um, after doing that, and um, like just adding to it, going back, editing things out, putting moving things around, and it was something that like I just hadn't had the luxury of doing on my my previous timetable that I really relished being able to dive into a longer form piece like that. Yeah. It was, it was one of those, like there, there are things that now I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, I really want to do a video. Like I really want to like, I really want this to be a script that I'm doing along video stuff, but I'm not there editing wise yet. I'm like, ah, if, if I were doing this in three months, maybe that's the kind of thing I would do, but that's now what I'm driving towards. Yeah. Is, is that kind of, um, that like, next level of uh uh developing those pieces making them so it's because i still love doing the writing and that's certainly where i think like my my heart is and um i think that's my forte especially until i get like any kind of editing stuff going uh but yeah that's like i there are things now that i want to do that i'm building towards but i'm not there yet and i'm like oh oh i'd like i would i i want to just use this capture card and figure out how i can just take whatever i'm putting there and then throw it up on on this thing or or make a cut to this song or something like that yeah so. and like i've been building towards what alex talks is now for the past two years right. the, the past two hiatus years between season two and season three like it has been a slow burn but like experimenting with things here and there and, and trying new things has gotten me there. So like also like a big part of my thing is editing. Like I, I can't like, I don't count writing as editing, right? It's very different. It's very separate. And I, it yeah. takes, I always take super long to edit things because I'm meticulous when I get into that mindset, but you know, you have to detach yourself from the writing mindset and reattach yourself to this whole other, like different way of looking at things. And, sitting there and reading a thing out loud like three times and trying to catch yourself on all your, your mannerisms and mistakes and trying to remember how you want this to be said versus how you wrote it and how you can combine those two. So that next time you read it, it'll be perfect. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a fellow best friend, uh, Tyler Hall reached out to me, um, like last week and, uh, like basically like it, the, our, our interaction started with him being like, how do you do it? Like what drives you? And we got into a little Facebook conversation and then he basically sent me something he was working on. And I like went through and like, he was like, do you mind like looking over it with me? And so I, I went through, it was like a, a top five games he's anticipated for a list, I think for the rest of the year. And I just went through like point by point with him and was like, read through this because there's a lot of words in there that I know what you mean, but you chose the wrong word. You, you typed the wrong word. And so it was that kind of stuff. And it was like, it was great editing somebody else's thing because i haven't done that in i don't know how long yeah um, and and i already like as i was going through and like backing up all of my 300 days of stuff i was seeing like i like i was getting so pissed off at myself for how many errors and shit that i had just thrown out there because i i wasn't taking the time to edit i was just finishing something and being like i i need sleep now so post it yep. publish it tweet it and i'm done um and so i was like i was seeing like me starting off with the wrong word in an article, like like well, that's a horrible shitty first impression. So yeah, God damn it. Um, so editing it now, getting like taking the time to do that is is incredibly valuable, and I'm and, and I like I think that I'm it's it's 
affording me the opportunity to craft better work as a result. Yeah. And so getting to kind of talk through that with him, um, I think uh, was another, it was uh, like, I was sitting there for a moment. I was like, I feel like I'm Alex right now. Editing somebody <laughs> else's, somebody else's I like, thing. Editing is like my hands down, my favorite thing to do. Like, you know, being able to work with the team of writers again has been so much fun. I edit like a teacher though. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I try not to be patronizing, but I think I am and I don't mean to be. But. I was the same way and like doing this all through like Facebook Messenger. I was I was like, um, like, here are the bullet points of what you like, what you got wrong. Um, I don't want to change your voice, but I think this is what you're trying to say. Yep. And so here's how I would word it because yep. the way you currently worded it, your thought gets lost. And so here's how I would restructure it. Um, but use that or don't use it. But you need yep. to do you need to change it somehow because what's currently there isn't working was kind yeah. of the that was that was definitely the process and i was yeah i def again i felt like i was channeling you a little bit just because like um if, like we haven't really worked together in that capacity but um but I, like i've heard you talk about kind of how you edit it and and how you are kind of a a little bit of a a, a stickler on stuff like that so I was like, yeah i mean like i always like i always make, make people make their own changes when they're writing for irrationalpassages.com I feel more comfortable making the changes for them. Like, cause like I'm, it's my editorial, right? So I want it to look how I want it to look to an extent. Um, but I'll use stuff like change the phrasing here. Or this phrasing sounds weird or read this out loud again. And I'll like, cause I edit everything in Google docs. So I can just highlight a section and, and pop on a note on there. And I'll, I'll do that. I'll be, I want you to change this. I'll also go into suggestions on Google docs. And when I edit all the grammar, they have to see all the changes I make to the grammar. I'm like, and I'll put a note at the, cause I always type in notes, editors notes at the end of saying like, Hey, like, you know, watch your comma usage or you need more semicolons. And so like, I'll do the teacher stuff because I want yeah. people to, I want that to stick with you. I don't want this to be like, I fixed this for you. Uh, I want it to be, I fixed this for you this time, catch it next time. Yeah, uh, and the best people that I've worked with uh, have taken that stuff to heart. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, no, and I like you, like knowing all of the Alex talk stuff that you've been working on, and then also seeing like the handful of new writers you've been editing and getting up on the on Irrational Passions. I've been like, God damn it, how the hell does Alex do this? <laughs> what? I don't know. Like, it's the thing. Like, when do I sleep? I you don't. Don't, <laughs> I, like, don't sleep. I, I, really I wish don't. I had magic ability. Like, oh God, it's the worst. I like, I was thinking about it the other day because I, I wrote that blog post of like, here's all the things I'm working on. And then I forgot like the bro C in there as well. I'm like, oh God, yeah, there's another thing. Like these are all just shows on top of that, like editing and writing every day and like and doing work and, and like my day job. Yeah. And then the podcast every week that I have to edit every week. And I'm like, what the fuck am I like? How am I doing any of this? I like, I, there was a moment where I'm and like, how do you have time for overwatch? <laughs> exactly. I play so much overwatch though. Uh, and I like, that was like the moment of realization this past month when I realized like all the garbage that I do and that some of it's actually pretty good uh, of like, yeah, I could probably like, I think I could do this. Like, I think I could make it. Uh, and it was, it's the first time I've ever had that thought ever in six plus years this past <laughs> month. Like when I realize all the stuff that I'm doing and that I'm like consistent and like will continue to do it. Like I was like, man, I think I can do this. Like I, I think I can actually do it. And like I don't say that again to be overconfident because God knows my yeah. self-confidence is, is an all-time low always. <laughs> um, but like I realize like I'm in a good place now. I'm working with enough cool people 
Um, so, so maybe. Yeah, that's the the closest I've had to that moment was um, uh, probably PSX last year, which was when I like turned on the Trevor Trove persona, where I've just always got the glasses on, and at an event I've always got the coat on and stuff like that, and staying up until like three in the morning writing about what I did that day uh, and doing those like the typically grueling hours. I was like, and, and doing it and knowing that I was doing it on my own dime and that I was loving every minute of it. I was like, yeah, like maybe like, this is what people always point to as like the most grueling part of the job. And I, it's feeding me. I so love it. Oh, maybe, feed me. Maybe I could, maybe I could do, like, yeah, I'm, like hanging out with you at PAX, at PAX East was uh, delightful, even uh, amidst our room of 11 yep. people and the nightmare that that was. Yeah. Uh, Tony but, says hard six is our cap for next year. That's, uh, oh, I, I, uh, after the, the nine at kind of funny live, um, I've capped it at, at uh, four or five for the last couple things I've done uh, RTX yeah. and then PAX West. Yeah, uh, I told him. I told him about you organizing Pax West. Pax West. So he was yeah. happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was like, nope. I, like, I'm too old for this shit. Is basically what I left. Kind of funny live thinking. I want to be able to walk on the floor again. I miss that. And then the best. The best part. I don't know if uh, I talked to you about this. Was RTX. We had like the biggest room we've ever had, and there were only four of us in that room. Nice. <laughs> like that's like that's we, you earned it though. Oh yeah, we we looked around because it was like uh, it was a king bed room with like a living room attached to it that had like a fold out sofa as well as like a, a mobile like twin bed, um, and then like a, a separate bathroom kind of thing. We like we looked around and like two great chairs, and we looked and said we could fit eight people in this room with nobody on the floor, and yeah. probably another ten people on the floor in that room was was yeah. the size of that room. And imagine how cheap it would be per night if you had 18 people in it. So, so delightful. But yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm my, I'm, I'm willing to pay a little bit more for bathroom usage and floor space. Essential. Essential. In in those, uh, in those scenarios. So I like, I'm super hopeful we can get you out for PSX. Um, Even though you won't stay with me at PSX because you'll be with Barrett or whatever. I won't be able to be. That's not true. No, that's not. Uh, oh, dep- oh, that's depending right. Depending on where it is. Because we're we're that's that's right. When the hell are they gonna announce it? Because good yeah. question, dog. What the hell? Like, <laughs> I, I have a problem saying I've heard rumors that it's in Anaheim because I have. And yeah. It's not, so it wouldn't be in in San Francisco, but um, yeah. We should we should have an answer, a definitive answer by now. I, like I was told at Pax West, we were gonna have a definitive answer on like September like ninth or something by a very reputable source. And then September 9th came and went, and I was like, "No, now I look like an idiot." Well, yeah, yeah, dog, it's so, not good. <laughs> yeah, as of as of Thursday the 22nd or Friday the 23rd for you on on East Coast, it's almost there for me. Uh, we have not yet heard when PSX is, and grr, uh, when or where it is. But so okay, well, if we get you out to PSX, you're of course in the like I would I would gladly share space with you. I'm in the trove, is what you're saying? Yes. You be in the Trevor Trove. And I think that's all I had to to go through. Through in my own like my own handful of topics, just because I never get to talk to you, Alex. And I wanted, nearly four hours. I wanted to share more time with you. We can we do a we do a four hour 
like top uh, conversation on your shows when we're doing it. Uh, and we got like five other people. So yeah, no, of course I'm going to do four hours with you, my friend. Constant four hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me for my mm-hmm. first episode. Uh, it was a I pleasure. Hope I don't up editing it and putting it all together. Oh, we'll uh, find out. I was I, as soon as I had this idea, and I've had this idea for like months that I wanted to try and do something. I was like, Alex has to be my first guest. Oh, uh, he's the son of a bitch that got me into this whole thing again. Back with that first, my first uh, foray into irrational passions with mm-hmm. my uh, Rocket League write up. Back when that, because that was a game. Yeah, it was a game. It's a real good game. Yeah, real good game. Yeah. Um, uh, and I thank you for for resparking my uh, my creative interests. And yeah, dude. Continuing to be a beacon of inspiration in this industry, and I really hope I don't cut the line. <laughs> <laughs> God, and we'll find out. I mean, like the thing I always tell people, like you, is that like I can spark the interest, but you have to do it. Right. And if you're doing it, that means it's on you. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, props to you for, for starting and doing it and continuing to do it. And here we are. So props, props to you for hitting 560 something days. 561. You're almost at a year. Three something, something, something. Yeah. Uh, November's coming up. It's creeping yeah. up. Woo-woo. 327. Hell yeah. Woo woot. Yeah, just that, that long October one year. That's, yeah, is gonna yeah. lead up to that's it. The, that's the problem is that I like I ran into just so much where I'm like, I uh, if I've got to write like a 500 word thing and get it published, when the hell am I gonna have time to do anything like to play anything? Yeah. So I, I like now having yeah, I don't kind of behind the scenes to still do all those things. I still play like 30 hours of video games a week. I I don't know how. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a wizard. You're a wizard, Alex. <laughs> I, you know, I try. No, I was worried because I, when you wrote that 300 post, I didn't know if you were still going to write every day mm-hmm. um, or if you were going to kind of like taper off a little bit. But I'm glad that you're still writing it every day. Just, you know, all I ask is you get to a year and then you can. Then, you can <laughs> then, then I can quit. Then you have my permission. <laughs> then you have my permission to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope, still, still going, still going strong. Um, it's, yeah. That's like I've got I've got a couple still from PAX preview pieces. Like I want to write up uh, and finish my uh, writing up a lot of my PAX stuff because um, I did I totally went Alex O'Neill on it and I took a notebook. Yeah, look great and have like tons of little notes and stuff in here. Nice from panels and and games and stuff that I uh, so yeah I went went full Alex on this one. So I still have a ton of stuff in here that I need to like put put to google docs <laughs> hell yeah i um i i was thinking about doing like a handwritten day of writing once just for fun i haven't done it yet but i think i will at some point That's interesting i because i did that for like back before i was doing any of this this blogging and stuff i would do like i would write um i mean it was like a mini break the chain kind of thing where i, I was like i'm gonna write a i'm gonna write a sonnet every day and nice so yeah, I would write like I have journals somewhere where I've got like a ton of handwritten sonnets. That's uh, awesome. That, that I would just because I was a Shakespeare nerd. Yeah, um, I will uh, say like as a as a closing thought, just because like this is the question that you didn't ask. And I'm glad you didn't, just because everyone asks it and it's dumb. But I do want to say it. Like, how do you start? How do you get into it? Like, I 
I started as a 17 year old kid, right? Uh, and this is my my inspiration to go out on, right? I started as a 17 year old kid. I was going into my senior year of high school. I did not have a job at the time. I didn't have money. My parents were kind enough to support me, like getting the podcast feed up and, and getting that initial website fund. And then I started funding it myself after that. Um, and like consistent, man. The like the thing, it, even. 300 days or whatever writing fuck all that like 295 episodes of a podcast is the hardest thing i have ever done in my life and i'm lucky and privileged to have great friends to be able to do it with and i feel like you know with all the great people that i've met i have like six podcasts that i could start up with all of just the groups of amazing folks that that are out there it's only a matter of time (laughs) it's only a matter of time um but like it's easy to find great friends that you love to talk to um, it is hard to get them together every week and and make them do this, uh, but it is worth it for every second. Uh, and like, I don't know, like the the hardest thing is like those days, like when you're like, man, just not this week. But you always start with one week, then two, then three, goes on and so forth. Like, Irrational Passions has a three month hiatus somewhere in the middle in 2012. Um, I hate it. It like it's the one. So you talk about regrets. Like it is the one thing I regret the most. Um, but it got back. You fall off the horse. You get back on, and you can keep going. And like you can do anything. Just start doing it. That's what I always tell people. Yeah, I mean my story is a little different. I and I talked about. I touched on this a little bit last uh, in in the last episode, but uh, I wanted to do something completely different and dedicated like 10 years trying to go and like run a theater company. And then I got a taste of that and was like, no, this really isn't what I'm, what I'm looking for. Um, and lucked into a very well-paying position for me and for my, my skill set. And so it has afforded me the opportunity to go and start attending events where I'm meeting people like you and, who are sparking me to do it. And yeah, I mean, the, the crux of the matter is still the same where you just got to do it, just start mm-hmm. doing it. Um, uh, and, and keep doing it. Uh, Every, but, yeah. And, and like, I, yeah. I, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought to, to really broach that with you because I feel like we've talked on it uh, enough. I feel like it's, it's common enough knowledge where it's like, I mean, it's, it's as simple as just do it. Like that's, yeah. that's really what you got to do. Um, so yeah, I was, I, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, disappointed or didn't disappoint by not bringing that up. But no, I just like I. I would bet that there's probably somebody who might have been listening this whole time. God knows why. Uh, <laughs> but they that was like their last question. Like I know plenty of people. I've been that person. And like you know, I like sometimes I like to think of it as like the reverse of the don't break the chain. Every day you're not writing or making music or making a video or making a song is a day you could be. And what are you waiting for? So. All right, let's do the outro, which I don't even have an outro yet, so this will be fun. Uh, I'm Trevor Starkey. You can follow me <laughs> at snarkystarkey dot uh, uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the uh, the podcast at Trove Talk on Twitter. Uh, and you can see what I'm rambling about on uh, trevortrove.com. My guest has been Alex O'Neill, who you can follow at alfighter alfighter twenty seven. Um, and irrational at irrational pod at irrational passions.com not dot net or not david dot 
davidsgallant.com forward slash IP podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing anymore. Irrationalpassions.com. Uh, you can catch, uh, he, he posts, uh, they got their weekly show on uh, Saturdays where they do live and then he edits it like a wizard throughout the next week and, and uh, goes up on Tuesdays. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I should stop doing the pitch because you're just sitting there as the I am. I am here. Video. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're yeah. Your pitch. You're better at plugging your shit than I am. Uh, Rational passions podcast. I've hosted that for six plus years and I think it's finally okay. Um, and it's worth, it's worth listening to. It's way it was too good. It, it got good around episode 271. <laughs> when you had some hairy, hairy, Arizona on. <laughs> yeah. Caleb was on? Weird. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's worth listening to. You know, we have a lot of cool people on. We have a fun time. It's same format as the Giant Bombcast, which it's everyone. The number one Clash of Clans podcast. Yeah, I know. Can, can confirm. Absolutely. 100%. Um, number one World of Warcraft podcast as well now. Um, yeah. Since it's begun again. And uh, soon to be, as of this weekend, the number one Destiny podcast again. Oh, that's right. That's why uh, I, did, like, I didn't even think to, to, to broach that with you. But uh, I'll, let you I'll let you talk about that on, on 60 <laughs> hours right there. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and I'm, I do a bunch of stuff. You know. God, am I keeping you from the raid? <laughs> no, God, no. I'm not oh, going to do that not, tonight. I, okay, I thought that. We, we didn't have did, a crew. We, we were talking about doing it tomorrow afternoon, but there's no way. It did drop tonight, though, right? Um, that's uh, I, yeah, I, I, I stopped up. paying any attention to that. It might not be live until five a.m. my time today, uh, so because okay. uh, that's when the content went up initially. So, got it. Um, podcasts, uh, Twitter, writing, uh, rationalpatches.com. I don't know. I do a lot of stuff, and I don't know. Come hang out. We'll have fun. Talk to me on Twitter. Tweet at me. I'll respond. I promise. Yeah, you're great about that. I Thank try. you again, Alex, so much for being my first guest. Honor, dude. Honor, privilege of your night because it's what three a.m. there, three thirty a.m. It is two twenty-five. No, this is this is a great time. It was very much worth the time. I love I love any time I get to catch up with you, and that's the whole reason I really started this podcast is so I can like visit with my friends, as I said earlier. Yeah, yeah, no, (laughs) somewhere earlier in the episode, so I can visit with with all you guys that I only ever get to really DM with every now. We haven't had like a good one-on-one time in a while, so yeah, that's good. And, and I don't have the patience to try and rope together three friends to do this on a weekly basis. So it's just going to be me and whichever random friend I grab from the pluck from the internet. Yeah. Um, it's, that's the hardest part on, on a weekly show. Yeah. But I've got, I've got a list of plenty that I hope to get to. So at least, at least through episode 12. <laughs> yes. As we touched on like four hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and, Oh, uh, outro of the show. Um, thank you for joining us for episode one of Trove Talk with my friend Alex O'Neill. And until next time, insert closing line here. All aboard the Trevor train! Choo-choo, motherfucker! <laughs>